Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Blog Talk Radio. Ite
Oh, shungwa mi lude amala. Amala, amala, amala. Oh, shunba bamio. Bamba mio ko bamba. Oh, shunba bamio. Bamba mio ko bamba. Yalode bamba mio. Bamba mio ko bamba. in the house with us tonight, and welcome to the Truth to Power show. My name is Beverly D, and we have Baba Kentu with us, and for those of you that's not familiar with Baba Kentu, he is a teacher of African spiritual science, whose area of interest range from word power to rituals. Baba Kentu is a clinical director of the Jedi Institute of Learning, an academic and behavioral service provider that specialized in African-centered education and the seven liberal arts. Baba Kentu, is this you? Yes, it is, Sister Beverly D. How are you doing this evening? Great, great. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. I am ecstatic. This is a great time to be alive. Thank yes, you. it Thank is. You for so, what is game is over? But before we get into the show, tell the people about your uh, school that the Jedi Learning uh, Institute oh, that yes. you have. Absolutely, the Jet Institute of Learning is considered a high school, which is a hybrid school, which means that you can get your um, instruction online 
or in person. Okay, you can do a little bit of schooling, or you can do all of your schooling there. You can get anywhere from a preschool education all the way up into advanced studies. So it is very, very flexible. High school, we mean hybrid school. So that is the juxt of the JET Institute of Learning. But once again, we are a uh, behavioral service provider uh, as well as an educational service provider, which means that we also provide services for those with disabling conditions such as autism, um, ADHD, and the like, um, because anyone can learn to learn, which is one of our slogans. And if anyone can learn to learn, you set a good foundation for further development of your community. And one of our other sayings is um, we resurrect communities through superior education because that's what it takes in order to resurrect a community. You need to re-educate the people, reteach them. They need to have skills in order to redevelop the necessary institutions that they need to survive. Okay, uh, You can find more about us by going to our website first, which is jedilearning.com, D-J-E-D-I, learning, L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com. You can go there, and you can see the services that we offer. You can book a session, and you can get any information that you need. You can also access any of our social media pages, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. We suggest going to the YouTube or the uh, Instagram page because for whatever reason, people seem to gravitate more to those two um, um, sources of media, probably because they focused on pictures and video. and People can kind of see things that we do. So, you know, we recommend that you go there first if you want to get any more information. And we're always uploading information, whether that be videos or that be articles for you to uh, keep abreast of what's going on. Um, in this fast-accelerating world of today, you can reach us also by calling us, 909-576-0170. You can email us at babakintu at jedilearning.com, B-A-B-A-K-E-N-T-U at jedilearning.com. Um, and like I said, you can always go to our uh, website, jedilearning.com. So we hope that you reach out. Um, it seems like every time we have a show with Sister Bev, we get a lot more attention. People start to come and visit. People start to ask us questions. Uh, we get subscribers to our YouTube page, members to our website, and we are really appreciative of all uh, that you have done to give us the exposure to the people who want this type of information because this is not for everybody to begin with, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of people who are looking for this specific type of information. And we definitely um, appreciate what you've done and given us the exposure that we need to continue to grow and excel. Well, we appreciate that you have the uh, Learning Institute here. And what was that oh, that, you sold, that you sold out, the uh, oh, Black Girl yes. Rock or something? What was that about? That, good, good question. That is the, our Black Girl Magic Planner. And I'll tell you how this came about. Um, and, and exactly what happened. Um, from our time working in educational institutions, we found out that parents never know what their children are doing in school. Um, and what we found is that they can hide stuff in a backpack, they can keep secrets, 
the parents will never, you know, at, reach out to the teachers. Sometimes the teachers aren't good at keeping up with, uh, you know, students learning or communicating with the teachers. So we always recommend it keeping a planner, which allows the student to write down their assignments, what days they are been, being given, when they're due, and keep a list of any notes that they need to have. What they would do then is take that to the parent. Parent would sign it. Once that assignment is complete, you take it back to the teacher. The teacher would sign it. Once that happens, the student gets reinforced, which, you know, with whatever. It could be extra time uh, to kind of hang out and play, computer time, whatever that be, just some type of reinforcement. Mm -hmm. But we found that Mm -hmm. to be a very effective strategy for those who are unmotivated, and we're dealing with a lot of lack of motivation. So we decided, hmm, if we're always using, you know, some schools have the planner, some schools don't. We said, you know what, why don't we just make our own and put that out and just put what we think the people need in there. So we developed our very first Black Girl Magic Planner. We put it out, um, or actually we developed it, excuse me, through Amazon, put it out on our website, and within a week the planners had totally sold out. And we weren't even expecting that to happen. Yeah, it was was Mm -hmm. definitely amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. In our website, we're currently sold out, but you can still get the Black Girl Magic Planner if you go to Amazon and put in, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Bobakin 2 Black Girl Magic Planner 2020 through 2021. So our hopes is that we continue to develop various planners. We have one coming for the boys because this one was specifically for the girls or the women, uh-huh. and uh-huh. we we want to develop one for the men because this is not only, you know, for young children. As a matter of fact, most right. of the people who bought them were already older. You know, they had already got out of school. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, and people still need planners. Say it again? I use planners too. You know, working with different things I'm doing, I always have to have stuff written down. So that's what I was saying. It's, it's adults that use them too. And you, you know what, you're right, probably even more so because, um, you know, the youngins aren't really ready yet to keep track of everything they're doing and they don't have the skills to plan and f- look forward to, you know, what's coming up. So you're right, adults do use them the most. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what happened. And we made sure we let everybody know who purchased a planner that we appreciated the support and okay. we will be right back in stock as soon as we can. And like I said, okay. you can still get them as many as you want if you just go straight to Amazon and look up that information through Bobakin to Black Girl Magic Plan. And look out for future products as well because uh, we'll be okay. putting them up. So what are you going to call the boys? I haven't come up with a name yet for the young oh, men. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what? That's a good question. We have been throwing around some ideas, uh, but mm-hmm. we haven't really settled on one. One that I was thinking okay. about, and, and this is because, this is a phrase that they typically use, although we don't necessarily want to promote that message, but one mm-hmm. phrase that, you know, black people are always coming up with some type of new phrase, all the mm-hmm. smoke, the, the all the smoke planner. And you might say, well, why would you want to promote that to our young men, the all the smoke planner? If you really understand what all the smoke means, it really means anybody who wants to engage with you they don't want that smoke. They don't want all the smoke. Okay, it's basically saying, you know, you are the one on the block that's going to continue to um, to dominate. 
So you mm-hmm. have all the smoke. You know, you hear kids today when they play video games, they'll say, oh, you don't want this smoke. <laughs> Basically, okay. you don't want to, you know, come come in and deal with me. So boys are a little bit more confrontational, but in a situation right. where we need to be a little bit more um, confrontational ourselves, where that's an idea that we're thinking about. And, you know, um, to our young men, that'll be one way to hook them and get them into the real knowledge, which is what we have on the mm-hmm. website and everything else. So we, we haven't really settled on it yet, but we are thinking about mm-hmm. some ideas. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, but it will be asking And you notice that, I mean, this is when they say you're at the right place at the right time because now – you there, you online, you got your schooling, and everybody else is online with their schooling. You know, so it's yep. like you right there. Yep. Every That's what perfect timing. Oh, man. And it's so funny, Sister Beverly, is that for the years that we've been coming on your show and pushing this message, at the time we were the only one really doing it to this level. There were people who were I saying, know. We're not even going to allow any uh, electronics in our school because we don't want people to come too tapped into the, uh, you know, the electronics and things in the digital world. Mm-hmm. But we said, yeah, we understand that. If anybody understands that, that's us. But we also have to be prepared for the future. So people have to have access to this information wherever they at 24-7, and they can do that just by logging in, literally, wherever you have your phone, tablet, mm-hmm. your laptop, desktop, it does not matter. You can even your smart TV. Unfortunately, you can tap in if you really, really want to. So, you are right, and we have been extremely busy because we already had everything up and running. We didn't have to, you know, mm-hmm. go look for how to get online and all those types of things. We right. are so busy right now; it's not even funny. You know, every day is that's a good thing. Fun. So, oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, you know, and like once again, thanks to you for helping us to put this message out there. Well, thank you for having the product. Ashe. Ashe. Yes, yes. Yes, excellent so, question. Okay. So what are we doing today? We're getting into what? Game over? Reset? Game over. <laughs> Press reset. Now, that might be a little dated because if you cr- come up in my era, um, you know that video games at that time had a reset button. Nintendo. Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, you had a power button, and then you had the reset button. If you weren't winning or if the game froze or something like that happened, you could always hit reset and start it over. You know, Xboxes mm-hmm. and PlayStation 4s and stuff like that today, they don't have no reset button. That don't even exist. So a lot of people may not even understand what that means. But the game that we have been talking about for the last two episodes that we've been on here, <clears throat> which is basically um, the game of life in general, is over as we know it. As we, um, like I put in the, the synopsis, if anybody listens to REM, which is an all-white band, but they had a very famous song called It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine and you should too because this is a time where you might not be able to see this again in your lifetime, probably for another 100 or 200 years where Things are being reset, and you get to participate in the development mm. of a new society and what things are going to look like in the future. So what we're going to talk about today is the game as we know it is over. The world as we know it 
is over, but you should feel fine because all we're going to do is press reset, and we're going to show you how to start over again. One of my um, areas interest, besides rituals, besides hekau, or word power, or magic, is utopian societies, even dystopian societies. You might say, what does that even mean? A dystopian society is a future in which everything seems to be in chaos and turmoil. If you ever see Handmaid's Tale, that could be considered a dystopian future. If you have ever seen um, How to Kill, no, not How to Kill Me, Mockingjay, Mockingjay, uh, whatever that was called, The Hunger Games, that will be considered mm-hmm. a dystopian future. So these are um, basically societies that have started over and have taken a different spin on what life looks like. What is their game? Remember, it was the Hunger Games. And a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that you saw taking place in that is taking place in real life. But we also are interested in utopian societies. And basically, a utopian society is one that is extremely rare. And the word utopia actually comes from a word that basically means it does not exist. So it's mm-hmm. almost a perfect land in which people can thrive and live in harmony and uh, grow and learn and participate in artistic beauties of the world, just in general. So we're going to get into various utopian societies, how they were developed, how they run, as a blueprint for us to move forward and develop in our new utopian society. So that is exactly what we'll be discussing today. Oh, in addition to what the world of education is going to look like, we'll start off first with the world of education. And then we'll get into the society as a whole, how we're going to develop that, and then some other, you know, utopian societies that we can look at and learn from. So that's what the discussion will be surrounded about today. Okay. Sounds interesting. Excellent. Excellent. So we'll first start off, like I said, with the world of education and where do I start? That is a hard place because it is really shaken up. Like I said, go look at our catalog on this particular show and look at what we would do every year, which was the top five trends of the previous year and the top five trends of the upcoming year. And what you will basically see is an outline for how things are going to look today. So we've been telling people and not knowing that it will come this quick that certain things will be put in place. So I'm going to give people just a little taste of what they can expect to see once schools begin to reopen, what things are going to be different, what you should expect, what should your children expect, what should you as an adult expect from learning in school and institutions of higher learning and development. So with that being said, um, there's some really, really good news in this. There's some really, really disturbing news in this. But either way it goes. Um, sometimes you got to laugh and sometimes you got to cry, and that makes a full day. You should always try to laugh and cry in a full day. If you can do that, you have lived life that day. And hopefully we can get you to that level today. One of the first documents I want to get into is just the massive shift to remote learning in general. What the um, Department of Education has determined, in the United States at least, and really all over the world, is that Nope, we're not going to open up schools. 
Everybody has to be at home, but education will not stop. And as a result of that, it is going to be all online, all remote, all distant. Now, right off the bat, you can see who becomes disadvantaged in that area, and that is those who do not have access to the digital equipment needed to get online. So what you're finding out is that, yeah, those schools that are in upper class neighborhoods that are able to make that shift very, very easily to a digital platform, they're okay. But those who are not able to make that shift so easily, if you don't have internet access in your home, if you don't have a laptop just for anybody to get on at their leisure to do their work, you are going to struggle. Children are going to struggle, and it's going to set up a major gap in the society in the years to come. You are looking at uh, the most uneducated class for the next maybe two or three years that are going to come out in this uh, world, you know, just overall. And that's directly related to what we consider the COVID crisis, which we know there are tons of things behind that um, because the common cold or a flu should not be causing this much panic and pandemonium. So that just sets up the stage for the first article we will discuss today, which is from the um, – let me see if I can find out where this is from uh, – Education Week. Okay, Education Week, March 26, 2020, and the title is Massive Shift to Remote Learning Prompts Big Data Privacy Concerns. Because what's happening? Now people are being asked to get online, and they may not understand the privacy. They may not understand how people get fished for their information or get hacked into, and as a result of that, hackers and anybody who has the wherewithal to go ahead and access somebody else's information, they are having a field day. Okay? So, let's get into this article. starts off by saying, schools are confronting a wide range of potential problems around student data privacy as they scramble to put technology tools for virtual instruction in place during the extended school building shutdowns. Teachers have already begun connecting with students using a variety of digital tools, some new, some old, and they go from anything from Zoom to digital devices like Chromebooks and learning platforms like Babbel and BrainPop. And actually, if some people just think back a few years ago, just think to when school districts, uh, the second largest school district in the country, the L.A. Unified School District, experimented with giving all of their children iPads. Nobody thought about anything at that time. They thought it was a fantastic idea. And what it did was allow um, spyware to be placed in every single person's home. That's essentially what happened because children weren't using them. They were ending up, um, you know, playing games on them and surfing the web for various um, websites that they weren't supposed to be on. So they weren't really being used, but that was allowing the data stream to start flowing at that time. Now you have it on a mass scale. That was just a little taste. They said, okay, well, you know, we see that this worked. We were able to get so much information here. And when I say they, this is the government as well as big corporations. So it's not either or. Right. It's both in conjunction. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, they were able to do that on a small scale, and now they've taken it to the next level. So let's continue. 
An unprecedented number of online interactions between teachers and students from their respective homes introduced new privacy questions that lack easy answers. And at least one state governor aiming to speed up implementation of the new remote learning tools has temporarily waived legal requirements for agreements between school districts and technology companies that typically include student data privacy provisions. What that's saying is that that particular state said, you know what, we usually have laws in place to protect student privacy, but I want to get these tools in place so fast. I want to get these spywares in your house so fast. I'm about to waive all those laws. You can just wipe them all off the books because I need this to get into your home now. So you see how fast that just happened. But let's continue. That's not it. Also, parents have to be very, very wary of what is going on, okay? Vet all of the apps that your children and their teachers are suggesting that you download. Vet all of the uh, devices that they say that child needs to have. Um, And if you can, you can even ask for just a straight-up paper and pencil work package so they don't give you any of these digital devices. You don't have to worry about any of it. But let's see what some parents have to worry about. It says, the challenges for schools in staying abreast of privacy concerns have become acute as companies have begun offering temporary free subscriptions to their expensive tech products, said Antonio Romayor, Jr., Chief Technology Officer for El Central Elementary School District in California. Some teachers in his district have begun bypassing the typical vetting procedures for new tech products adding the free products directly to their single sign-on platforms for students and teachers to use. So even teachers, even though the state hasn't said certain apps are okay, teachers are scrambling to do stuff, so they're just getting apps off the Internet and say, oh, you know what, there's a free subscription. Let me sign my class up for it, and let's go with it, not knowing there's going to be consequences and repercussions. Let's find out what those might be. Some of those free products could eventually cost schools and parents money which means anyone using them should be extra careful about offering credit card information when signing up, okay? Programs that aren't vetted in advance also might run afoul of privacy policy. It's a constant struggle, they say, okay? So while the new technological landscape for schools feels unprecedented in many ways, schools still have an obligation to inform parents of how their students' data is being used, even if the teaching is occurring outside school buildings. Federal laws, such as the Family Education Rights and Protects and Privacy Act, or FERPA as we know it, and the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, COPPA, that we talked about before on the show, should help guide school leaders in deciding what new technologies to use. So I'm just going to step back really quick because I want to talk about these free subscriptions. Now, this free subscription plays on the same psychology of the subscriptions for the streaming services. For example, HBO Go may say something like, look, we'll give you seven days free. All you got to do is cancel before the date, and you don't have any problems. Netflix Mm -hmm. may say, just sign up for a free subscription. We'll give you a whole month free, and just cancel before the date, and you don't pay nothing. The problem with that is nobody cancels before the date are very few people cancel before the date. So now your teacher signs you up for a free subscription to some reading program. The parent gets on and she said, okay, well, this is pretty cool. 
I like this. I don't even know that there is a timeline. Now the seven days is up. Remember, I had to put my credit card in there in order to even sign up for my free trial. I've gone past my date, and all of a sudden now, wait a minute, what is this $29.99 bill from so-and-so reading program? I never signed up for no reading program. Uh, yeah, you did without your knowledge. Either your school or your teacher or even you may have participated in it without your knowledge. This is why you have to be very, very careful right now with all of these different apps and programs that are you are being asked to sign into. Okay, a lot of the school districts I work with, they must have at least 10 different programs. They have one for the children to sign on to just get um, face-to-face time with the teacher. They got another one for reading. They got another one for math. They got a, you know other ones for quizzes. There's so many, you can't even keep track. By the time you finish, you don't even know how many things you signed up for. So you have to be very, very careful. And this is on top of your privacy concerns where your data is just being out there. Okay, so we'll, so we'll leave that there. Go ahead. Go ahead. What, what about um, just say like the ones that you don't have to pay, like Skype is free, you know, what, yep. what about yep. those? Those are fine in the financial aspect. But the next okay. part of this is the privacy aspect. Mm. Yeah, it may not cost you at all as far as financial, but you've given up data, period. You're giving up data because while you're on this particular app or program, it is keeping track of what you do, whether you know it or not. It may ask you for control of your camera. It may ask you for control of your microphone. And those microphones and those cameras sometimes can be turned on and off without your knowledge, okay? So that is the other part that you've given up. Yeah, it might be cool as far as the finances is concerned, but what else? There might be a bigger price to pay, but it is just not monetary. So that's an excellent question. Um, For example, this leads us right into it. It says, Cherry Kaisecker co-chair of the Parent Coalition for Data Privacy, wants parents and schools to minimize as much as possible the amount of student data that's being collected and sold by tech companies. So you hear that? Your data is being collected and sold by these tech companies. Okay, it's not like they're even just keeping it for their own good. They're, they're selling it to other people, to third-party investors. Felt the same before the COVID-19 outbreak. In fact, Kai Seger points to a 2018 warning from the FBI noting that the consequences of ed tech companies collecting too much data on students could result in social engineering, bullying, tracking, identity theft, or other means for targeting children. Most U.S. states earned a C or lower grade from the 2019 survey of student data privacy protection by Kaisecker's organization and the Network for Public Education. So you can just see right there. There are a lot of things. There are a lot of consequences to this, excuse me, not just from a personal level, but society as a whole, because let's go back. It said, ed tech companies collecting too much data on students could result in social engineering, bullying, tracking, identity theft, or other means for targeting children. Okay, so very, very careful is what you need to be. So basically, there is a balance between speed and quality that you need to have. Um, 
several states, such as California and Connecticut, have clearinghouses that vet education software tools um, that can be used by the districts, uh, but not all of them have a very high grade in their ability to do so. Okay. Not only that, but then you have on-camera concerns. What if your teacher is you know, uh, at home giving her lesson, and all of a sudden, She's in her robe and she's having her morning coffee. The teachers, are, the students are there learning. All of a sudden, she gets up and has a nip slip. Uh oh. You know, um, is this an X-rated movie that I'm watching now? Is this, <laughs> you know, some type of pornography? I don't know. So you now have improper relationships that can develop and exposure that can develop without the parents even knowing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have chat rooms because the children have to go back and forth. Um, to answer questions so they can pass information such as phone numbers, text numbers, Instagram pages, uh, Snapchat, other ways to communicate with teachers. So this is another thing you have to worry about. So there are a lot of little things that um, we as consumers have not thought about, but everybody else has. And I want to make sure I bring this to the people because they have to vet these products. And you do have options. You do not have to opt into all this electronic and digital format. Um, it, it can be expedient, but you have to do your homework. But what do you do? <clears throat> Staying informed. Parents play a role in protecting students from threats to their personal or data privacy, whether they realize it or not. Romayor said he often talks with parents who haven't heard of FERPA or aren't aware of laws that prohibit predatory activity or digital marketing to children. Districts have been trying for years to educate teachers on best practices for protecting student data privacy, but that continues to be a work in progress, okay? So basically, the lack of widespread knowledge about the intricacies of student data privacy can cause problems for schools. I take it even further and say it can cause problems for the children and the families, even more so. You have to stay on top of it. You have to sit in class. If your, ch- if your child is participating in these activities, Sit there, do a whole lesson, and make sure that, you know, things are looking okay. If you can do it every day, that would be the best. Obviously, people have to still do work or whatever they have to do during the day. But if you can, participate as much as you can in the particular online learning. For example, we encourage the parents to do it because we don't actually always want to have to provide the service. We want to be able to empower the family to be able to teach their own children. So it also comes with a parenting component where we teach the parents the strategies that we use so they can eventually take it over themselves. And you might say, well, Baba Cantu, why would you do that so you can put yourself out of business? What we found is that people don't want to do all this work anyway. So even though you may teach them how to do it and, you know, they may get a little proficient at it, they would still you rather they do it because, Honestly, a lot of people don't even have the patience to sit down and work homework with their children. Uh, I have right. seen many <laughs> ass whoopings occur over the table mm-hmm. over some homework getting done. You know, I've been on the receiving yeah. end of some of those, and I've just seen brothers and sisters myself, you know, go through that battle. So they would rather you do it anyway, you know. So go ahead and pick that article up and pass it to anybody you think may need that. And that, once again, was the massive shift to remote learning prompts big data privacy concerns. That was March 26, 2020, and the, uh, the publication is Education Week.
So that was just the first part of it. That was just a grand introduction. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, game over. We are not used to all of this. We're used to just waking up, having our toast, driving to school, dropping them off, and right. worry about it later. Okay. Now you got a whole nother set of concerns to deal with. But that's all right. Because now that you have the information, you can take advantage. Okay. So that's just how we started off. A few other things that we've talked about in the past, besides everything going to uh, more of a hybrid school, was the fact that colleges and universities were going to have problems with the SAT. And this goes all the way back to the sister who was getting trouble from the SAT board because they tried to say she cheated on the test because her score jumped too quick. Yeah, I remember that. Just because she studied. You remember that? Her, her, yeah. her score went up because she studied. She had the book. She had a teacher tell the, the college board that we helped her study. There was a study group, and they still wouldn't believe her. Now they paying the price because not only um, do children have the option to now take the SAT at home, a ton of colleges are opting out of any of those tests, whether it be SAT or ACT or any of those other assessments. Because remember, we talked about them coming straight out of um, post-World War II Germany where they were being used to identify who was feeble-minded and who was okay so we can set them up for execution. That's where all of their Mm. origins are. So now the SAT board is about to go out of business because so many colleges and universities are struggling to even stay open because there's no tuition. Students are going, Mm -hmm. campuses are closed, and students are saying, well, you know what? I can't take the SAT. I guess I'm not going to college. So that means that the colleges are not going to get any money. They're not going. Right. So tons of them have waived. Some of them have just got rid of it altogether, and some of them have now waived that provision that you must come in with the SAT. So as a result, the SAT board is going out of funding, funding, and they are about to go under very, very soon. And we have an article that we want to bring up that discusses this very, very situation. And we have to say this is what they get, okay? Going back to how they did the system last year, this was coming. We knew something was about to change, and, you know, here it is. So let's go ahead and pull that up real quick. And this is entitled – oh, let me see. Okay. College Board Ready to Offer – at-home SAT, and this is from U.S. News, April 15th, 2020. Um, And I remember even at that time when we talked about the system, we had given out a list of colleges and universities that didn't, at that time, didn't even um, need, it was called a test-optional college, where you didn't need an SAT or SAT to go there. Now almost all of them are going to have to go this way. So it starts off by saying, Students will be able to take the SAT at home if school doesn't resume this fall. College board officials announced Wednesday outlining a new timetable and digital format for the college entrance exam. We know students and educators are worried about how the coronavirus may disrupt the college admissions process, and we want to do all we can to help alleviate that anxiety during this very demanding time, said the college board CEO, David Coleman. In the unfortunate and unlikely possibility that schools do not open this fall, the College Board will be ready to provide a digital SAT 
at home. So even your SAT is trying to go digital, okay? Coleman characterizes the scenario as increasingly unlikely. We beg to differ, and we'll get into why in a second, and one that will require at-home proctoring on a scale never before seen. We would much rather see schools reopen, he said, but we will be ready. College board officials said they are experimenting with a variety of security software. That's already going to be an issue. Okay. So that software can, for example, lock the entire computer other than the software that allows students to take the test, as well as use the device's camera and microphone to monitor any movement and noise. I should just stop after that paragraph right there because now again, in order to take the SAT, you are saying that the SAT board can lock your entire computer, take over your camera, and take over your microphone to monitor any movement and noise going on inside of your home. So in order to take the SAT, you will have to give up a lot of privacy, okay? That, that's where this is going. So college board that's officials like compared having to Alexia. Thank that's you. like having Alexia in your house. Yeah. You got it. And it's funny mm-hmm. because um, me and my wife are watching this new Netflix special. It's, it's silly, and I can't even remember what it's called. But basically, these people are on an island, and they're all young. They're all very, very beautiful. But they're, the trick is they cannot have sex or have any sexual activity uh, in order to win this particular game. And mm-hmm. there is this robot named Lana who oversees everything that's happening. And every time somebody gets close or is about to kiss or touch a booty or something, here come Lana. Uh, you better not do that. It's going to be $50. That's going to be $100. So you're right. Ah. It's just like having Lana or Alexa right in your house. Okay. So it, it goes on to say, college board officials compared an at-home digital administration of the SAT to how the organization is currently allowing 3 million students to take um, modified versions of AP exams. We didn't even get into that, but a lot of students are taking advanced placement exams at home. Advanced placement allows students to basically earn college credits in high school or lower, and that's a really, really big deal, especially if you want to go to a high-ranking college such as the UC system, the Ivy League system, or anything like that. So that's a whole other area, and 3 million students are already taking modified versions of the AP exams at home. But it continues to say, if we are forced to deliver a digital SAT at home, basically that means they're going to make sure to go into the hood and get you your lockdown computer with the camera and microphone under control. Adding that the college board is prepared to work with states and school districts to provide technology or Wi-Fi spots to ensure that any student who wishes to take the SAT can do so. Okay, Um, Should public health officials say it's safe, the College Board plans to offer weekend SAT administrations every month through the end of the calendar year beginning in August. Students will be able to register in May for the August, September, and October administrations, with priority going to students expected to graduate in 2021 who do not yet have an SAT score. Okay? So about how many people are this affecting? As of early April, 700,000 – I'm sorry – 760,000 students in the class of 2021 already received an SAT score. College board officials said, but they also estimate that about 1 million first-time SAT takers 
were unable to test this spring because of school closures, the vast majority of whom would have taken the test through a school day administration. So they already got 760,000 students in there, but they still got another million out there who they possibly can take control of their computers in order to take to give the SAT. That is the gist of it. The article goes on to continue um, you know, to talk about the coronavirus and other testing difficulties, but the basis mm-hmm. of it is that they are struggling, and they will do anything they can to get you to take that test. One thing we have always recommended is to opt out of all those tests. If anybody tries to give your child a test, opt out because we've already told you where those tests come from and what they're used for, and they are not necessary for you to advance in this world. Okay, not necessary, not for you to get into college, uh, not for you to get a job. So you don't have to. If you want to, you can. It is optional, but you do not have to, and this is just showing you why right here. And I so, thought it was mandatory that you had to take it, those tests, you know, to get at in. At one time it was. You right. Okay. At one time it was. You couldn't get into any college or university, at least not the ones you wanted to, without taking an mm-hmm. SAT or an ACT. Right. Um, you know, now that I think about it, um, they go on to say here, in the first seven days of April alone, at least 30 schools announced test optional admissions policies for the high school class of 2021. Um, another 44 temporarily waived testing requirements, including elite private and public colleges and universities like Williams College, Tufts University, Virginia Tech, and the UC system. So, you know, it's... This is turning out to be a really, really big deal with all these standardized tests, um, but now it's all test optional. And which, let's go back one second. The problem with the SAT, you know, in real life, if we have to keep it real, is that it's only supposed to indicate how you're going to do as a freshman in college. It's not supposed to predict anything else. That's it. So when they started to break the SAT down and really look at it, they were finding that, this is not really predictive of who's going to graduate. It's not predictive of who's going to get a job. All it really is telling us is how the freshman is going to do once they enter school. Most freshmen are going to struggle because they're going from high school into a college, you know, um, right. environment. So if yeah. that's all it's given, it's really not worth that much anyway. So people who were against the testing, they are starting to get their uh, wishes by just eradicating mm-hmm. this whole thing. So. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was mentioned in this article was that then in the fall, they will go ahead and start to give their test administration. And we said, we beg to differ. And you might be saying, well, Bobby can too. Why do you beg to differ? They just came on CNN and told me that school is about to be open. They just came in and told me on Channel you know, 9 and ABC that the schools are going to reopen. Okay, well, then that's when I go ahead. I pull this up real quick. And this is where I graduated from. Mm -hmm. This Cal State campus is one of the first to commit to online-only classes for the fall of 2020. So my alma mater, Cal State Fullerton, where I got my undergraduate degree, has already said there's not going to be any face-to-face school in the fall. You can forget about that. We have already committed to online-only classes. Sorry, SAT. (laughs) No. It's already colleges and universities saying they're not opening in the fall. 
So you guys are probably about to be out of business really, really soon, and rightfully so. So let's see what this article talks about, and it is from Ed Surge, uh, April 21st, 2020. Okay, it says, Colleges across the country are considering options for how to operate during the upcoming academic year, yet so far, few have committed publicly to either reopening their campuses or holding classes online. On Monday, California State University at Fullerton became one of the first to announce intentions to pursue the latter path, at least to start the fall semester. In a town hall meeting for administrators, faculty, and staff, Provost Pamela Oliver asked professors to start preparing now for autumn virtual classes. She says, I wish that I could give you a definite answer and tell you this is exactly what we're going to do, because I certainly would like to have some definite answers, Oliver said. But what I do know is that our plan is to enter virtually and then to also have in mind what we will do to enter gradually and to have flexibility as we do it. So Cal State Fullerton is one of only, uh, is one is only one of 23 campuses in the California State University system to make that decision so far. Now remember that's almost a month ago. That was April 21st. And I haven't actually kept up on how many uh, have followed suit, but I'm quite sure it's probably about at least a third at this point in time, okay? In developing plans for fall 2020 and beyond, College leaders will most likely follow health and safety guidance from local and state officials and the CDC representatives of higher ed associations. Okay. That may mean colleges will act differently depending on where they're located. For example, California's governor said on April 14th that the state is still weeks away from even considering loosening state restrictions, while governors in Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina are already making plans to lift stay at home and social distancing rules. And there's been a few other states that have also followed suit um, in the recent weeks. Now, it says colleges may also try to delay announcing firm plans to take classes online in the fall just in case it becomes possible to reopen campuses instead. Closures have cost institutions millions of dollars, and that's the only reason why they would want to open in fall. And in the case of the University of Michigan, what system is that, maybe even as much as $1 billion. Now, why would mm. Michigan, University of Michigan, suffer $1 billion? And I, I think I have the article here, and I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself, but colleges and universities are not getting money because not only are schools closed, what else is happening? There's no sports. There's and no that's, the mo- that's the money. Yeah, I can stop. You're right. I can stop there. I can just say no sports, and that'd be it. <laughs> you can just close the door. It's a wrap. Yeah, you know, we've been yeah. talking about that here too. Um, there you go. We can just stop right there for right now until we get there. <laughs> but yeah, there's no sports, and you know, University of Michigan, powerhouse football team, powerhouse yeah. basketball team, every year, yeah. always on TV, yeah. mass endorsement deals, uh, uniform sponsored by Jordan, so they're always decked out. But with all that, if you're not on TV. There's no advertising dollars coming in, no ticket sales. You're going to be struggling, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is what they're looking at. So the colleges and universities, they want to open as quick as possible. They don't really care about nobody's health. But right. you know, be that as it may, this is what we're dealing with. So go check this article out too. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
and you get a little bit of flavor of what some colleges have already stated they're about to do. So once again, sorry, SAT. Um, you guys might be out of there sooner than we thought. Okay. So this brings up the next thing. And what I'm going to do is actually shift for a – no, no, no. Let's not shift just yet. This is leading right directly into can colleges survive the coronavirus, okay? We just <laughs> talked about it, so we might as well go into it. Can colleges survive the coronavirus? The math is not pretty. And this is from NPR, or National Public Radio, and this is April 20th, 2020, okay? So go pick this up. And this is what they say. Since most campuses in the United States are sitting empty, courses are online, students are at home, and administrators are trying to figure out how to make the finances of that work. The math is not pretty, says Robert Kelchin, who studies higher ed finance at Seton Hall University in New Jersey. Colleges are stressed both on the revenue side and on the expenditure side. On one end of the occasion, colleges are spending money to take classes online. Okay, so they have to find learning management systems. They have to find all types of stuff to find Wi-Fi. They have to find Internet access. So they're paying a lot of money right now. So um, on one end of the equation, colleges are spending money to take classes online. In some situations, purchasing software, training professors, or outsourcing to online-only institutions. That's on top of refunds for room and board and parts of tuition. Okay, nobody's thinking about the people who have already paid, and now they want their money back because they can't get what they, they thought they paid for. On the other side, money isn't coming back in. In the form of expected tuition and revenue from events such as athletics, conferences, and campus and summer camps, you know, a lot of um, would-be college attendees usually take these trips where they kind of figure out where they want to go. That's not happening either, so summer camps and campus camps aren't, aren't getting no money. College endowments, which can sometimes offer some insulation from hard financial times, have also taken a hit. People don't know what the college endowment is. That's basically the alumni are those who have um, attended school in the past or just basically donate money. They'll just give money and say, you know what, I'm donating to my old college because I want them to be successful. So this will touch every sector of higher education, every size of institution, every region of the country, says Dominique Baker, a professor of education policy at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. It already has. And once again, whose name comes up, Mr. Bell? The University of Michigan. The University mm. of Michigan estimates they lose up to $1 billion by the end of the year. For the University wow. of Kentucky, $70 million. You know, University of Kentucky, powerhouse basketball school. Hundreds of schools, including some with endowments of more than a billion dollars, like Duke, Virginia Tech, and Brown, have announced hiring freezes. Other institutions have cut pay and have laid off staff and contracts. In Vermont, state officials have told a potential college shutdown. They're about to say, you know what, we're just about to wrap it up. No, nobody's going to college this year coming up. And that itself can have extreme ramifications when you're talking about a workforce. But, you know, that's kind of part of the plan. We're just not going there yet. Let's continue. Despite the fact that no institution will be spared, says Baker, the pandemic will affect different institutions in disproportionate ways. For some colleges, 
This is an existential threat that means they'll have to close, she says, while others will have the financial backing to weather the storm. What keeps her up at night? Those institutions that serve more vulnerable populations, okay, you're talking about community colleges, um, state-funded schools, and are in more remote or rural places because, she says, they have the potential to feel the financial pain even more. Their students rely on colleges for service such as health care, campus jobs, child care, free food places, which have already been lar- largely underfunded, which is very true, will be hard-pressed to stay afloat. So what you're about to see, basically, is all of the schools that are smaller or medium-sized even may even just shut down and close, period. And all you're going to have is these elite colleges and universities left, like we talked about. University of Michigan, if they can figure out a way to you know, pay back that billion dollars, uh, Duke, Brown, um, Princeton, Yale, they might be able to stay open, USC. But, you know, Cal State Fullerton might be a wrap. You know, Mount San Antonio College. Uh, what's the uh, school by you that everybody goes to, Sister Bev? It's like a state college. Um, I can't think of it. Wayne, Wayne State. Wayne State. Wayne, Wayne State. State. Mm-hmm. Might be a wrap for Wayne State. Okay, so that's what we're looking at. And this is what's going on here. So the federal government did attempt to buoy. In the CARES relief package passed in March, Congress allocated $14 billion for colleges and universities, though uh, many have said that's not enough. And if you think about it, if Michigan is taking already one of those billions, then you only got 13 left. You know, And you, we can already name off the top of our head maybe 13 other colleges that could take that up real quick. So, yeah, you're right. $14 billion is really not nothing. Woefully inadequate is what the American Council on Education called it. The group, along with 40 other higher education organizations, have lobbied Congress for about $46 billion more. And that's a conservative ask, they say. So that, you know, once again, this article goes on to talk about the different public state schools, community colleges, for-profits, private liberal arts colleges that are really going to struggle. Um, and this kind of follows all of those for-profit colleges that have already closed because they were given horrible education to students. We think about Trump University. That just closed, what, a year or two ago because they were given fake degrees. Um, you know, mm-hmm. this is just going to trickle all the way down. They're not getting any international students. But, you know, everybody's having to stay home. So this thing is really starting to fall apart at the seams. And the and borders are back. closed. The international borders are closed. can't even come. Yeah. You know, that's an excellent point. You're absolutely right. Even Canada's border is closed. So people yeah. are, even our neighbors ain't able to come through. Any scenario under which it's business as usual on American college campuses in the fall, says Nicholas Christakis, a sociologist and physician at Yale University who is studying how the coronavirus spreads. That's already interesting. But this idea that we can somehow just get back to normal and go back to school in the fall because we always have is not reasonable, SAT. I think we're going to have to figure out other ways of doing this. So here it is, Village, telling you already, school as you know it, the game as you know it, is over. It's time to press reset. So I'm going to leave that there. Leave that particular article there. You can read further because uh, I've already given you the information. But that takes us to a little bit of good news. 
and I'm going right back to Detroit for this one. And, of course, all of this would happen, this good news would happen during the coronavirus breakdown. But mm-hmm. it did happen. Okay. So in Detroit, you know, we're having, just like everywhere else where black people reside, dismal education. Horrible right. rundown schools. Books are not even up to standard. Um, facilities are tragic. Um, teachers aren't even showing up. Substitutes are teaching the classes. Students are teaching the classes. But Detroit students have the right to an education, the federal appeals court rules. That's the name of this article I'm about to get in um, from – where is this article from? NBCnews.com. And once again, the title is Detroit Students Have the Right to an Education, Federal Appeals Court Rules. Wow. Uh, and this is April 23rd, 2020. Get into this. What just happened? Why is this such good news that Detroit students have the right to an education? Let's see. American children have a fundamental right to at least a basic education, a federal appeals court ruled Thursday. And actually, before I go even further, most people may think that they have a constitutional right to education. That it's not true. There is nothing in the Constitution that says anything about people being able to have an education. That's why when this case has been brought up prior in federal courts, it has always been knocked down. So that's why this is such a big deal, because now the federal court is basically saying, yeah, children actually do have a right to basic education, not through an amendment, not through uh, statutory law, but through um, – Lawsuits, okay? It's not like they sat there and got together and said, you know what? We think that children have a right to a basic education. Let's go ahead and put that into the Constitution. No. People had to sue the government in order for this to happen. But let's get into it. Let's see what the article says about this. In a, ru- in a ruling legal scholars said could affect disadvantaged children across the country, Sixth Circuit Court Judge Eric Clay wrote in an opinion Siding with a group of Detroit students in their suit against the state of Michigan, that education is essential to nearly every interaction between a citizen and her government. Where, as plaintiffs allege here, a group of children is relegated to a school system that does not provide even a plausible chance to attain literacy, we hold that the Constitution provides them with a remedy, he wrote. So Detroit students filed suit in 2016 documenting alarming conditions in rodent-infested, crumbling schools that lack certified teachers and up-to-date textbooks. The students argued that the state was responsible for those conditions since it controlled Detroit's main school district for much of the two decades leading up to the suit. They also claimed that the state implemented policies that worsened the situation, creating competition between the city's main school district and scores of charter schools. And I know you probably saw this Way early, Sister Bell, because you said you sent your children to a African center school. So and I'm looking at the ladies that's on the picture there, uh, in this oh, article. Okay. Yeah. David, I used to be I used to be with them and they've been marching on this since the nineties. We used to protest wow. in the Capitol all the way in the nineties. So they I mean, they earn whatever the court agreed to they have been persistent, 
Ashe. Wow. So you know these ladies right here? Yeah, no, I used to. Yeah, I used to march with them uh, about the wow. back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it paid off. That hard work definitely they, they did pay off. Yeah. Wow, that that's beautiful to hear. You you see what we can do though when we put our minds yeah. and our effort yeah. to it. You know, you see we we were able to do something that a lot of uh, more affluent neighborhoods haven't been able to do. Sue so the mm-hmm. school district and and win. You know, suit so, yeah. so the government and win. But let's continue. That's that's wow. That's powerful. Filed on behalf of students who attended both district and charter schools, arguing that the state had deprived too many of these children of the right to become literate, productive adults. They weren't even teaching the children how to read. A trial court judge agreed the conditions the student documented were deplorable, but threw out their case because he said the Constitution does not guarantee the right to an education. Two of the three Sixth Circuit judges who heard the case on appeal last fall found that it does. So there was still one judge that said, nah, you guys still don't get a right to a basic education, but the other two outruled them. Every meaningful interaction between a citizen and the state is predicated on a minimum level of literacy, meaning that access to literacy is necessary to access our political process, Clay wrote in his majority opinion with Judge Jane Stranch, adding that the unique role of public education as a source of opportunity separate from the means of a child's parents creates a heightened social burden to provide at least a minimal education. Thus, the exclusion of a child from a meaningful education by no fault of her own should be viewed as especially suspect. We agree. The third judge on the panel, Eric Murphy, wrote in his dissent, so now we get to see what the person who dissented said, that while providing basic education is a noble policy goal, it is not guaranteed by the Constitution. So he's a strict constitutionalist. He's saying, hey, it's not in there. They don't get one, period. Our forefathers said that this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. So he says, if I sat in the state legislate, legislature or on the local school board, I would work diligently to investigate and remedy the serious problems that the plaintiffs assert, he wrote. But I do not serve in those roles. <laughs> he said if he did, he would help. But since he don't, he don't, he's not tripping. He says, and I see nothing in the complaint that gives federal judges the power to oversee Detroit schools in the name of the United States Constitution. So Michigan Gover- Governor Gretchen Whitmer could ask the U.S. Supreme Court to reverse the decision, but her office is still reviewing the case, said spokeswoman Chelsea Lewis. Lewis noted that while some members of the State Board of Education challenged the lower court decision that the students did not have a right to read, the governor did not challenge that ruling on the merits. We've also regularly reinforced that the governor has a strong record on education and has always believed we have a responsibility to teach every child to read. Okay, So I want to get down here to where they just kind of talk about some of these deplorable conditions that came up. Um, because now we know that we, we won. People around the country, some of them have not experienced a horrible education like that. So they want to know you know, what the problem was. Um, right. And it actually does not talk about it in this particular article. But one article I was reading says that it was so bad in one classroom that the teacher who was in the classroom quit. They had a number mm-hmm. of substitutes for a while. The substitutes were so horrible that they stopped coming, and they didn't have anybody to fill them. So one of the eighth-grade 
students in the classroom we ended up teaching that class and the seventh grade math class for the rest of the wow. year. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's pathetic. That actually shows that <laughs> it is pathetic, but it also goes to show you the genius of our children when they actually get the chance mm-hmm. to do something. You know, he stepped up, who, he or she, I don't remember if it was he or she, they stepped up mm-hmm. to the challenge. It's absolutely horrible that nobody could be in that classroom with a certified, um, you know, with the right certifications. But for mm-hmm. a child to get up and be able to teach two grade levels of math, that yeah. is fantastic. That is absolutely yes, fantastic. Is. So we want to applaud uh, him or her and also your good friends out in Detroit for fighting that good fight because, look, it actually worked. I thought actually. I thought they had. I didn't know they were still fighting, so they is really determined. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they kept it on. They kept it up. You know, yeah. they got down in the bunker, put the hard hats on, and camped out for a few years and kept throwing those grenades. That's how you yeah, got to do it. Cause, and That's I know back it. in the day, we we would stay all night up there. You know, they wanted to pass <laughs> laws, and they was waiting till we went home. We didn't go home. We stayed at oh. all night, and they passed the law like at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yikes. You know, That's... when they doing dirty things, yeah. Oh my goodness! But, but then know, they it, got stu- they they had students in in schools that was built in 1919 and 1920. Oh my and, god! You know all that. You know that school, those schools got asbestos and mold and all yes. that kind of stuff. And yes. then if you said and I and I know colors have a lot to do, you know, with your psyche. And so if you're sitting Absolutely. in a classroom all dull and you know. That's not yes. going to help your learning either. At all. You are right on it. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more. That is, I couldn't even imagine. Actually, I went to a pretty old school myself in the LA Unified School District. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, I wasn't really a good student, bright, but I had so mm-hmm. much else going on in my life that I wasn't really focused on that. Like you said, mm-hmm. I was over there putting uh, crayons in the heater in the back of the room and then dipping my finger in oh. the crayons and making the – that's the stuff, the stuff I was doing. It was heaters actually yeah. in the classroom. That's how old it was, you know. So yeah. I definitely understand what was going on in Detroit because we got the same one in the hood in L.A., same exact one. And, so I, you know, and, I applaud you guys and, in Detroit. But back in the day, they were. Uh, that's when the lot. The, no, not the lottery. The uh, I think it was the casinos had opened up, <clears throat> and the lotteries mm-hmm. too. And th- that oh, money was okay. supposed to go towards the school system. And what they did was they took. For one thing, they stole all the money. That was Engler, that uh, governor uh, back then. Okay. And then when they him. just say they. Yeah, just say they put in a million for the, you know, the school system, all that money. That was supposed to be for new buildings. and But then they put it in, but they took it out. So we didn't get anything. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. You know, so they really that took is it. cold. First of all, for them to <laughs> wait until 3 o'clock in the morning to pass a law, wait until y'all go to sleep yeah. and pass a law. Yeah. And then to steal yeah. the money from, yeah. you know, a bank or a pool that they said was for you. And this is why that process is not going to work for us. And that's why eventually, and we know we might make that switch pretty soon, we got to start talking about how we're going to build our utopian society because we cannot depend on them for nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. So, um, you know, 
it's a lot going on in Detroit. Uh, Michigan owing a billion dollars. Um, you know, people are out there fighting with Sister Bev to get um, longtime constitutional laws overturned. So it's a lot going on in, in Detroit, Michigan right now. You know, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. But, yeah, but I'm trying to get I'm trying to get our people to step up because we like laid back, you know, in the city, you know, absolutely. and and I'm trying to show them we all in the same house. If the house burns Thank down, you. we gonna burn down too, you know. Um, <laughs> and then we had one legislator, and I I called her out. I I wrote a thing about her. She gonna come okay. to to the a house. With bulletproof vests, they you know, oh, and wow. then she gonna yeah, the people didn't. I mean, they just won't. They it was peaceful protest. Then she gonna nice. bl- bring some black guys with their rifles hanging out, you know, trying to wow. make it a race thing. It ain't even I a race sh- thing. It's about constitutional freedom. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. So, this, and how long ago was this? Yesterday. Oh, wow. You're talking about way back. you talking about no, yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. aye, aye. Aye. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. Well, you know, all of this is just letting us know, like you said, we really have to wake up and realize, like yeah. you said, the house is burning down. The game right. is coming to an end. You have the right and you have the ability to press that reset button and start over, mm-hmm. build you a new yeah. game where you can come out on top, okay? Mm-hmm. That is all possible, and that's, just, that's exactly where we're heading right about now. But before I yeah. do that, I'm going to get one more uh, education article in there because it's kind of going to lead us okay. into our utopian societies. Uh, okay. You know, I might have to come back again because I still got a ton more okay. that we didn't touch on with education. So we might have to do okay. a part two of this. But I'm okay. going to go ahead and fast forward to this little piece right here because we said this was coming. I even, just like you, I've been trying to wake up some of my people out here. Um, mm-hmm. I have been part of various organizations of psychologists, black psychologists where I'm just trying to give them basic information about how we need to do stuff for our people. But some people have this idea that if you're only doing something for your people, you somehow are a racist or a bigot or uh, you're discriminating when you don't understand. You are feeling bad because you have a meeting of all black people without anybody else involved. But they routinely have meetings without you involved making decisions about you. So what is the problem? But anyway, uh, one thing that I was always trying to get our psychologists to understand is that, look, if we all pull together and develop an educational institution, it'll be much easier than just me trying to do it by myself or this person trying to do it mm-hmm. over here. Just imagine mm-hmm. if all ten of us just got together and did it. You know, it would be, it would be uh, monumental, but they just couldn't see it. You know, hope, I'm, I'm sure they see it now, and I'm sure they're going to see it after I read this article. Which is good. It says Education Secretary Betsy DeVos to Mm. offer homeschooling micro grants from COVID 19 relief funds. Now, on the surface, you might say, oh, well, you know, everybody has to do homeschooling right now. And she's giving micro grants um, to people who are actually trying to do that. Absolutely, on the face of it. But you got to know Betsy DeVos' history. And this is actually something I agree with her on. 
her whole point of becoming the Secretary of Education is to privatize mm-hmm. education. Mm. So she is going to push for school vouchers. She is going to push for private schools receiving public funds. And with the coronavirus, COVID-19, she has now been able to offer these micro-grants, which are basically private school vouchers in disguise. And once again, I'm all for that because now people can take their money and go to an African center school and go right. to support their local African center school. So I'm not tripping off of that. I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. It is these mm-hmm. people who have gotten the idea that the government and public education is actually going to take care of you when you just read the article that said it was deplorable conditions in Detroit that people couldn't even learn. So right. what makes you think that a public education is always going to be the key? You just have to have options. For some, a public education is just fine. I went through public education, and although I was dipping my finger in the heater, I actually came out okay. Mm-hmm. So I can't hate that much. But right. if I really want to get a uh, – if I really want to press reset, if I really want to give people the heart and the mind and the spirit to actually be self-determined, the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this article real quick. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos to offer homeschooling micro-grants from COVID-19 relief funds. Okay, and this is from Black Enterprise. Okay, so I even went to go ahead and give me a little um, uh, you know, a publication from, from the brothers and sisters. So what are they talking about? Last week, U.S. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos banned DACA students from receiving coronavirus aid. Now it is being reported that she will use money from the nation's COVID-19 relief fund to allocate micro-grants for homeschooling to states and families. Okay. Chalkbeat recently outlined DeVos' plans to use $180 million from the first relief package to fund grants that states will be able to apply to for K-12 and higher education. DeVos is known as an advocate for alternative education and for leaving public schools to fend for themselves. As a part of the micro-grants, DeVos seeks to promote virtual learning. The funds that could be used to support public schools will be given to state agencies who opt in to homeschool students. Statement released by DeVos on Monday regarding her decision, she said, The current disruption to the normal model is reaffirming something I have said for years. We must rethink education to better match the realities of the 21st century. She sounds like us. This is the time for local education leaders to unleash their creative creativity and ingenuity. So here's an overview of how state agencies can apply for grants as outlined by Chalkbeat. State education agencies can apply for federal money by proposing one of three things. The first is the micro-grants what some would call vouchers, meant to give families more options for remote learning. Those grants could be used to pay for tutoring, summer programs, tuition to a private or public school online program, counseling, test prep, or textbooks, among other things. The state must allow private organizations to provide these services. So once again, Now your local African-centered – actually, you can receive money that you can then take to your local African-centered institution to not only support them but to get you the right type of education. That was the first first proposal. Here's the second. The second option is for states to create a statewide virtual school or another program allowing students to access classes that their regular school does not offer. 
states can either expand an existing program or create one from scratch. Now, that is not necessarily what we want because that would give the onus back to the states. So we would like option one. But then there's one more option. The final option is nebulously defined for a state to create models for providing remote education not yet imagined to ensure that every child is learning and preparing for successful careers and lives. Basically, they don't even know. <laughs> they just say it. You're going to have to do something that hasn't even been imagined yet to receive these funds. So that's the third option. But we want to go back to option number one, which allows the private organizations to receive the funds in order to provide the education. Okay? So many are not in favor of Bebos' plan. Nevertheless, the Education Department expects to award 5 to $20 million to these winning states. So I'll be looking for that pretty soon, Village, because it's coming down the pipeline. Now, what about if a person wanted to open up, um, what do we used to call them schools? Were they Votech schools or yeah, schools yeah. that uh, trade schools or something? Yeah. Uh, wonder could you get money for that? Be yeah, part I, I, of that, I, I, like. From what I'm reading, it sounds like that's exactly what they would want because it's saying yeah. it, you have to let the private organizations participate in accessing these grants. So if you have a program that is educational and it's not being provided by the public school already, mm-hmm. you should be able to access those funds. So vocational training, um, online literacy, um, Coding, like we talked about plenty of times on here. Yeah. Gaming, yeah. is it possibly? All that is up. Yeah. You know, and once yeah. again, not yet imagined, you know. So right. that is our ability to, to make up. So and what, about, keep our fingers what, about, what about guys like, you know, like we got like electricianers that's, you know, <clears throat> this is a good opportunity for maybe an electrician or a couple of electricianers to get together, open up some kind of school, and teach that trade. That's a lot. People get them electricians get paid a lot of money, too. You, you are absolutely correct, and I would love to see something like that happen. Like you said, it only takes two or three of them to pool their resources yeah. together, also even get a loan so they don't even have to put their own money up and start right. to get the, money, get the ball rolling. And as the income comes in, the tuition comes in, the grants come in, you yeah. you pay back those loans and you start to make a little money on top and you can still keep your job if you want to. So yeah, exactly. you're absolutely correct. You know, and hopefully people are out there right now listening or will come back and yeah. listen to this episode mm-hmm. and start to implement just that. So you're absolutely right. right. You know, we just throwing ideas out there for the people to not have no excuse about how to proceed from here on out. How am I going to press reset? Just like Sister Bev just laid out to you. Get two or three of your buddies together. So you know what? We're going to put our own school together. The state's going to give us money, or the parents can come and give us money, or just people themselves. Let's say if they want to learn to become an uh, electrician, they could take that money and bring it right to you, and there you go. So it's, it's And, you know, they could, go, they could go to a church and get one of the rooms out of the church. You know, you just only Absolutely. need the classroom, and, you know, you have to, the state's going to pay you. <laughs> you know, you're going to get the grant money. So, you know, just start that. And, I mean, this would take a lot of the young guys. I mean, that's something that they could just go from nothing 
to making which I don't know what they make, but don't they make about fifty dollars an hour or something? Or? Oh yeah, I would say they would, they can easily electricians can make anywhere from fifty to eighty thousand dollars a year. So wow. high demand yeah. jobs. You know, you obviously can feed your family plus some with that type of income if you're smart with your money. Yeah. And yeah. you know that this can be any excuse. You do not have to scrimp and save. But guess what? It's much much better than that universal basic income that you're gonna get, which is that stimulus package you just got a little twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> so you you have a choice. Right. You, That's you know, right. You want the it, the universal basic income, or you want to make you know a little fifty to eighty and and do your thing. You know you're not spending yeah. no money right now, really. So you should be okay. And they're giving away money, basically, you know, with all this grant money and everything. They, You know, this is the time. For those that can create and, and step up, this is not the time to drag your feet on anything. And you just set it up for where we're going now, which is a glimpse into the future. You press reset. The game is restarting. How do you want to set it up so that it works for you? We just touched on a little, little piece right there where we said start to re-educate your community. Start to give them the skills they need. Brothers coming up out of jail, brothers that's hanging on the corner can now have a trade, now have a skill. They can provide more to the community, help build it back up. Because most of the crimes that are committed by black people are against, guess who? Other black people. So if you give these brothers a job, these sisters a job, not even a job, a career, a skill set, ability to teach others, now we're talking about re-education or building the community, building institutions that can build the community. And this has been done time and time again. What I'm talking about now is the ability to see a utopian society. Everybody that you know not only looks like you, sounds like you, but are doing okay, but are doing well, enjoying the beauties of art, place, uh, and taking activities to the next level, being able to sustain, knowing your neighbor, being able to leave your door open, being able to just enjoy life in a way that we haven't seen probably since we got here, or not in a long time at least. But just think about that, living off the land, being able to just provide for your family and your neighbors in your neighborhood and see people doing well, that right there should be motivation enough to start looking up. Because right now, this is all based on psychology, specifically the psychology of behavior. By giving you this universal universal basic income, I keep you docile and I keep you complacent so that you just kick back and don't worry about anything and just let things keep happening to you. But we have to take control back of our own minds and realize the game that they are playing and press reset and start your own game. And what I want to do here is take a look into some future options and how this can uh, come to pass. How can it be that we can form a new society? Like um, Jay-Z said, I want to form a society within society. You know, it's going to be really difficult for us just to get up and move and go to Africa or to any other country for that matter. Plus, there's sweat equity in this country that we should be able to access But that doesn't mean we have to live in squalor, in horrible conditions, deplorable conditions. You have the ability to raise yourself up and start anew, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at some utopian societies 
that have been built up throughout the years just to let you know it's possible and the steps that these people took in order to make it happen. Because I would love to participate in the development of a utopian society. As a matter of fact, I used to be the president of a group which is now disbanded called the Society for the Advancement of African Thought. And most of what we did was attempt to uh, start societies that we could then start to build up and start to take to the next level and invite people on out. Not just one black Wall Street, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a Wall Street. It just has to be a cooperative community where people can live in harmony and peace and not worrying about getting shot. Very, very simple. Okay? So let's get into some of this. Okay? Well, first of all, I want to start off by reading a little passage from this book entitled Thank You for Being Late. Okay? Uh, this book is written by Thomas Friedman, and I want to say I have referenced this particular book before in the past. And this particular book talks about the acceleration of technology, of Mother Nature, globalization, and its effect on society and what may happen. So what do people do, you know, once all of this has happened to them um, and all this has taken place and things are a lot different than we, you know, started off? How do we go about doing, uh, doing what we need to do? And let's, let's take a look. Okay, let's take a look. So it says, while this high degree of interdependence poses one set of new challenges, the rising risk of state failure in a number of countries poses another. These risks can be seen around the world. Julian Lindley, French Vice President of Atlantic Treaty Association and a visiting research fellow at the National Defense University in Washington, D.C., um, warns what he calls weakism or disintegration, which is disintegration down to the level of gangs and tribes. Okay. And the emergence of groups such as the Islamic State and Boko Haram that fill that power vacuum, very real disintegration of weak states in Africa and the Middle East, is now reaching a scale that is creating large emerging zones of disorder or chaos, the ball from the get smart. And these are spilling out so many refugees and economic migrants that the stability of the world of order is starting to be threatened. Witness the splintering of the European Union. Now, that is just setting up what has just happened. Although this book came out in, what is this, uh, 2016, I want to say, um, it basically lets you know what was to come and what's going on right now. Everything has now disintegrated almost into a dystopian society. So you have a right to rebuild and build it back up in the way that you see fit. And one of the first places I want to go to demonstrate that this can happen is to an article called Beyond the Pineapple Tract, Utopian Los Angeles. And this is November 28, 2016, and this is from the um, L.A. Review of Books.org. And this talks about various utopian societies that were started in Los Angeles. So I want to give you guys a little idea of what is possible. Well, okay. before you get started, it's called oh, Beyond yeah. the Pineapple Trap. Is that what you said? Uh, 
Tract. So it's T R A C T. Oh. T R A C T. Okay. Mapping Utopian Los Angeles. Okay. So it starts off by saying, our current cultural landscape is littered with dystopian visions for reasons too obvious to name. In fact, we now use utopian, excuse me, strictly to dismiss aspirations we deem foolish. But when Thomas More coined the term utopia, or no place, half a millennium ago in 1516, he used it to refer to his picture of a more functional and rational governing apparatus than that of Tudor England. While his tract is part comical Robinson made, the beliefs it presented weren't idle fantasy. Moore was willing to die for them, famously opting to be executed rather than endorse a merger of church and state. So this is where we are at today. We want to see a more functional and just society. We're not talking about Tudor England. We're talking about the United States of America. And some of us, including me, are willing to die for it. I have no problem. I am going to struggle to have that happen, or I'm going to die trying. It is very, very simple. I don't have any other goal other than that. So let's continue. Today in Los Angeles, we have co-ops, facilities for students and seniors, and smaller group houses of gamers and nudists. But the only open age diverse, excuse me, intentional community of 10 or more is the Echo Village in Koreatown. This wasn't always the case. A century ago, long before the 1980s Hollywood punk flophouse Disgraceland and the earlier Westside Queen Living Cove Synodon, the city had three thriving communes. And this is what we're going to talk about. They were the Theosophist community of Crotona in Beechwood Canyon, the socialist Yana Del Rio in Palmdale, and the broadly anarchist Edendale Farm in Silver Lake. Like many such settlements, they collapsed, not due to infighting, but to outside forces. In these cases, development, drought, and the LAPD. So we're going to get into these three utopian societies uh, just briefly before we go into some more. There might recognize the theosophists. The theosophists were essentially a group of people who were what we consider today New Age. And some of their leaders, which we'll talk about in a second, were Andy Besant and H.P. Blavatsky. Now, if you remember some of our shows from back in the day when we talked about the Hekau, we talked about our good, good brother, Pascal Beverly Randolph, and how he had a sworn enemy, and that enemy was H.P. Blavatsky. She didn't like him, and he didn't like her. So they would do magical spells on each other all the time and have various Hekau battles. So this has been going back a long time, but they were able to develop their own utopian society. So let's see what, what's going on here. In a perfectly Californian confluence, Edendale's early movie studios shared the turf with a posse of Mexican revolutionaries and sympathetic wobblies. Okay. In 1911, exiled Ricardo Flores Magón of the Partido Liberal Mexicano had led a seizure of Tijuana, after which the U.S. federal government jailed him at McNeil Island for violating national neutrality. Newly sprung in 1914, Magon formed a contingent that rented a five-acre plot 
at the northwest tip of Ivanhoe Reservoir. For about a year, the communards lived in wooden shacks, raising chickens, and growing produce they sold on Othera Street downtown. They ran a paper called Regeneration, and Nagon pinned the polemic ensemble drama Tierra de Libertad. Okay? So this is what they did on their particular commune. So people always think, I have to be able to live in a house that I live in now. Yes, you've gotten used to that. But guess what? These people were willing to live in shacks in order to see their vision come to fruition. You have to have that same type of vision. But let's continue. Job Harriman, a lawyer, former clergyman, and one-time running mate to socialist Eugene Debs on the national ticket, narrowly lost the L.A. mayoral election in 1911. Setting out to demonstrate a socialist alternative, he leveraged local friends to buy a 9,000-acre with water rights at the site of a former temperance colony about 45 miles north. He appointed a board and began selling stock for Gana del Rio. Applicants had to buy into the colony an equal share so they could do so on credit. They needed references attesting to their work, ethic, and commitment to the ideology. Shamefully, they also had to be white because racial mixing was, according to their paper, not deemed expedient. So they had a socialist alternative. This was a little bit different. And this was, um, I want to say this is Edenville, if I'm not mistaken, but we'll get to it in a second. Six months after its opening, no, I'm sorry, this is, um, I think this is Yama Del Rio. Yeah, that's, this is Yama Del Rio. Six months after opening in 1914, the colony had grown to 150 people in addition to many farm animals, and had a post office, dairy, and laundry. Using local materials, the colonists built a meeting hall and hotel, as well as an aqueduct and water tank connected to nearby Big Rock Creek. At first, members lived in tents and dormitories, then in small adobe houses. Like Gilman and other feminist thinkers, site planner Alice Constant Austin envisioned kitchen-free homes with, communal daycare, with a communal daycare. Though Yano, did, Yano fell short of her designs, largely populated by Western farmers and businessmen and their families, the development grew to 1,100 people and produced almost all of its own food, planting orchids, alfalfa, corn, and grain. The colonists also wove textiles and ran a print shop for their paper. The schools were Montessori-style, hands-on, and encouraged self-rule. Now, that is going to be a common theme that you hear, and one of our good good members of the Society of African Thought, Brother Shechem, Ma Karu, rest his soul, he always talked about self-rule. Black people should move into an area where they're surrounded by others that look like them because they have to participate in self-rule. Once they get that small little foothold, they can then start to build up different institutions to feed themselves, to protect themselves, then a formal political system, and then from there on out. But the key was to rule home. You have to have some type of home rule. So as you can see, at uh, Yano del Rio, they had Montessori-style schools that encouraged self-rule. Okay, So let's continue. 
Um, Because we had something like that with the uh, Black Wall Street. Absolutely. That is one of the first ones that comes to mind. It should come to everybody's mind is Black Wall Street because that is one where you had a thriving business community. You had a, uh, a place where people would go outside and just smell the air and walk up and down the street and have a good time. Um, you would just want to go to the beach where you see other brothers and sisters. You know, you don't get to see that out here in L.A. You go to the beach, you it's rare that you see other brothers and sisters. When we used to be on the beach, whether we on the west coast of Africa, in Ghana, Nigeria, wherever, the beach is us. They're telling us that we, black people don't swim. Are you kidding me? We grew up fishing. Matter of fact, if you go to Ghana right now, one of the main things they do is fish. So, you know, you're right. We have had these before, and we can have them again. And I want to make sure we get to some of those African-centered ones um, on in the future. But right now, I want to finish up with this one really quick, but that is an excellent point. As in many, many voluntary associations, there was ongoing disagreements over degree of direct democracy versus central decision-making power. When the war began, um, some colonists became conscientious objectors some went to fight, and others left to work to um, left to work on defense contracts. But the most significant challenge was access to water. The settlers needed to build a dam. After the state commissioner of corporations denied them a permit, their days were numbered. In 1917, the colonists moved to Louisiana, which is one place that I would advocate should be a site for us to start looking at if we're thinking about starting one of these utopian societies where they restarted the project on a humbler scale and kept it up for 20 years. Harriman considered Yano a success because however imperfect or impermanent, the colony had manifested its founders' essential vision in concrete reality. So although it only lasted for about 20 years or so, the founder was not upset because he understands that things are fluid. They come and go, but mm-hmm. he was able to see that it was able to be done. That was the key there. And finally, we come to the commune of Crotona. And this is where it gets kind of interesting. An outgrowth of the Theosophist movement founded in 1875 by Ukraine-born H.P. Blavatsky. Blavatsky chain-smoked, escaped two husbands, survived an equestrian wreck, learned to put pigeons to sleep telepathically, and set the new age in motion with her book, The Secret Doctrine. The Synthesis of Science, Religion, and Philosophy. She handpicked her successor, Annie Besant, a British socialite, or sorry, socialist, feminist, and anti-colonial organizer who had faced jail for promoting birth control. She ultimately settled in India, where she advocated home rule. You heard it again, home rule. And where the theosophists established their headquarters. Under her watch in 1912, they also built Crotana, and the community's lodge on Beechwood still bears her name. The Hollywood Foothills location was known as the Pineapple Tract. It's the name of this particular article. And true to L.A. tradition, the enclave became a colorful jumble of craftsmen, indigenous, and Moorish-style buildings. So look at that. They even took some of your African history to develop some of the architecture. So Crotona drew its name from Pythagoras' story colony in the Calabrian coast, where members shared a simple, ethical, 
and health focused life, turning their ears to the harmony of the spheres. And if anybody knows about Pythagoras, he went to school in Egypt before he came back to Greece in order to start his school. And probably he started Crotona as well. And he probably started it because of what he saw when he was in Kennedy. Okay? So they named their new society Crotona. Like Pythagoreans, Crotona's 300 or 300 or so residents practice vegetarianism, meditation, and intellectual inquiry. Among its artistic offerings in the summer of 1918, the commune staged an adaptation of the Buddhist-themed epic poem, The Light of Asia, featuring choreography by Ruth St. Dennis. The performance was hugely popular and ran for weeks, prompting colonist Christine Stevenson and Mary Rankin Clark to purchase more land for an amphitheater. Uh, amphitheater. The Hollywood Bowl. So if anybody has ever been to the Hollywood Bowl, now you understand the history of it. It looks like an ancient Greek theater where everything is pretty much stone. They have the stage there. It is a semicircle. It looks like it was built in ancient Greece. But the sound there is fantastic. I've gotten to see plenty of performances there, and I love actually going to the Hollywood Bowl. Little did I know it was put in motion by one of my (laughs) – Worst enemies, H.P. Blavatsky and Annie Besant. But, once again, they were using your ancient science to put all of this together. I'm going to continue. Eventually, encroaching urban development proved too much for the reflective theosophists, and the organization moved its operation to OJ, continued on a reduced scale. The Besant Lodge on Beachwood still holds musical performances, costume parties, and holiday dinners as well as electric sound baths and Gnostic devotions to the divine feminine. Where do you think they got the idea to worship the divine feminine from? Right. Today, <laughs> right. Today, local theosophists have a library in Los Feliz, Spanish lectures in, uh, near USC, and a booth at the L.A. Film Festival, plus churches in Pasadena and Long Beach. They study Sufism, Kabbalah, and ancient cultures. Of course, they're not going to put you in there, but ancient cultures they're studying is Kenneth. They discuss thinkers like Plato and Nitschke and read William Blake and Philip K. Dick. Okay? So, that was three of the utopian societies. And then it goes on to say, what kind of intentional community in or near Los Angeles might we create today? An artist colony seems like an obvious choice. The Los Angeles Eco Village has used a revolving loan fund to acquire its co-op apartments and form a community land trust, a project that began after the civil unrest of 1992 and now encompasses two city blocks. The Eco Village's goal is to demonstrate permaculture or social, economic, and environmental sustainability. To this end, members hold weekly dinners and meetings, organize neighborhood events, facilitate co-op businesses and skill shares, maintain a learning garden for schools, they all have schools, use bicycles, solar power, and gray water, and practice composting and beekeeping. The settlement is in good company. It's one of the growing number of eco villages worldwide. So that's all I'm going to read from that particular article. Oh, 
no, actually, there's this one little last piece that I want to end on. And I wait, well, before you go into that piece, I want to tell the people that's listening on the internet, uh, call in at um, seven four, oh, three two three six four two one five eight six three two three six four two. One five eight, uh, because we'll be going off the air on the internet, but you can hear us on the telephone. And if you have a question or a comment, just push the number one. Okay, go ahead, Papa. Excellent, thank you. So this last little piece I want to end on because it gives you a good idea of what you can do. Because everybody always says, "I gotta have this much money in order to be able to do that. We gotta have the backing of so and so." It's all these excuses, and it's really just a psychological program to keep you from thinking you can do it. Well, it's time for the reprogram. It's time for a new game, time to press reset. I'm going to end with this little piece. People are too hard on intentional utopian communities, too quick to point out signs of failure. Are the waste, expense, and isolation intrinsic to nuclear households not worse failures yet? They're just better hidden and tacitly tolerated. While we fear for our future, it serves to remember that we created ourselves intentionally or otherwise. So that ends that particular article right there. So in Mm -hmm. L.A., there have been plenty of utopian societies that people have built up, and one still goes today, which is the Echo Village in Koreatown. And once again, they inspire Echo Village's Around the world If you want to pattern your Society after that No problem with that Okay, It depends on how you want to do it There's no right or wrong way to do it We're just letting everybody know It is possible Okay, So We also have A couple of ones I want to dig into the history books uh, And let us know What we've done in the past And really all we got to really do is think about Just how civilization started in general that will bring you to one of the most famous utopian societies on the face of the planet, ancient Kemet. I don't have to tell anybody who listens to this show <clears throat> about that society, one in which men and women actually were becoming gods, where they were building monumental structures, where they were able to live off the fat of the land, where they didn't necessarily have a monetary system, but nobody actually wanted to attain riches. Everybody just wanted to do what was good for the spirit, for the balance, for the nature, for the family, for the nation. It was literally a utopian society at its best. So that's where it all starts. But that just gave rise to a ton more societies. And if people don't have this book, The Destruction of Black Civilization by Chancellor Williams, I would highly, highly suggest it. Most of the problems that we talk about are outlined in this book already. Most of the solutions that we need to look for are outlined on this book already. He even discusses how to restart again, which we'll discuss a little bit as well. But we don't have to make up or reinvent the wheel. It's already here for us. Just go pick up Destruction of Black Civilization, and you got all your answers that you need. But let's look at a couple of these other utopian societies that people may not have heard of, Came straight up out of Africa. You better run before they capture you that people may have never heard of. Was right below ancient Kemet. And it was in a place called Nubia. But the name of it was Alwa. Okay? Alwa. 
That was one of the places that our black people ran to after Kemen was becoming invaded. We ran back to where we always go, which is back to Nubia. And once we did it, we were able to rebuild this society entitled Alwa. And even the ancient Hemites, they would say this place is where the gods exist. So every time something would happen, they would run back down there to recoup and then come back up. So when they finally could not come back up anymore, they just restarted a whole new society in Alwa. Okay? So I'm just going to read a little piece here. So they talk about that um, south area, and it says, most notable among the Neolithic finds in the south was a beautiful, highly burnished, black-topped and red pottery bowls, jars. The pottery was artistically decorated in ravy whipples and squares. The earliest writing was in pictures. So many hundreds of these rock messages were found along the Nile through Nubia land that one may well wonder that these prehistoric historians had posterity in mind. While many of the pictures portrayed wildlife and other objects of interest in the environment, others went beyond this role of the artist. And recorded such historic facts as the conquest of the northern Nubia by the Nubian pharaoh of the old kingdom, Seneferu, in 2730 before the Common Era. Okay. So that was just a little description that he gives us here about that place. Okay, and there are a couple of mm-hmm. others that I want to make sure I mention. One of them, one of them was Alwa. The other one was Mercuria. So you always hear about Alwa and Mercuria being some of these major cities in um, Nubia, where the basically the life of the ancient Kemites continued to thrive and, and to to flourish. So it wasn't like after Kemet fell down that everything just stopped. The black world was over. No. We might have scattered, but we also regrouped and once again developed these societies. We are good at making lemonade out of lemons, and we have to continue to be able to do that. So let me read a little piece about um, this is actually ancient Meroe. Meroe was also in Nubia, and it came into power after Mercuria and Alwa um, were taken down. So it says, um, two of the greatest temples were built by King Aspalta at Meroe, the Sun Temple and the Temple of Amun. The imposing pyramids and rows of huge, huge royal statues added to the majesty and magnificence of Meroe. The royal tombs, as in Kemet, were the repositories of a nascent history. From them, archaeologists were able to determine the line of 41 rulers after the conquest of Lower Nubia. These monuments were not only sources of early African history from within, but of the highest importance. They were elaborately decorated outside with both the first form of writing, Meruneter, and the more advanced African inscriptions in their own invented writing. Now, what I'm actually going to point the family to again, you have to go look up this um, uh, documentary on the BBC. And it is, um, I want to say it's called uh, return to Nubia land And it is about a woman Who goes back to Nubia To talk about the ancient um, Nubia land essentially And they talk about everything That happened prior to Kemet And also after Kemet As it takes place in Nubia Okay, It is an absolute uh, Beauty 
So go look it up, BBC. Um, the woman's name is Zainab. So if you just look up BBC Nubia Zainab, you will see this about 45-minute documentary on the area of Nubia. So exactly what I'm talking about now, you get to see it with your own eyes. So you get the visuals as well, as well as getting, getting to hear the people talk and everything else. So make sure you check out that documentary because when I saw it, I was absolutely astonished and floored that they kept it so real. Okay, so go, definitely go check that out. Um, so let me continue on with a couple of other of these utopian societies that we've had. Um, another one, obviously people have heard of the three major societies and Songhai. These have gone just from basic utopian societies into actual empires. We always hear about them, especially their cities of learning, okay, in Janae, uh, Timbuktu, all of these centers of, of commerce, of learning, of higher education were built by you, okay? And once again, we don't have to always fall back on Kemet. There were these other great civilizations going concurrently as well as after. And now that I think about it, a lot of us over here today would have come from those three uh, gigantic empires of Mali, Ghana, and Songhai. So it's still in your blood. It's still pumping through you. It's still in your spirit. You just have to implement it. You've got to reawaken it. And that's what we're tapping into do, uh, today. We're tapping back into that. So definitely check out Mali, Ghana, and Songhai. And let me see, is there anything that I want to read about? It's just so much um, information on those three that I don't want to get too deep into it at the risk of bringing yeah. out some other information. But Definitely check out. And, and, and if, if the audience, the listeners want to uh, ask a question, you can push number one, uh, and we'll open the lines up if you have a question or a comment. Uh, yes, I don't know. We had do. some listeners on the on the line, and they fell off, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> okay, they probably went off at eight. But go ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. And for those who do go back and listen to this, I'm going to throw in a couple of more for you uh, that you probably haven't heard of. One of them is the great state of Cuba. That state of Cuba uh, would be in the area of Angola around the time of Queen Nzinga in the 1500s, 1600s. And that was another great state that encompassed maybe three or four smaller states that had been uh, basically hemmed in by the Portuguese invasions. But nobody's ever heard of this Cuba. It was self-governed, had all-black rule, had, a, had female rulers as well as male rulers, um, and they were able to keep a thriving community for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they were one of the last independent, big, gigantic empires to still last prior to the invasion of the Portuguese taking over. So that's another one I want to throw on the people. So these are just you know, various communities that we see that have existed that people have never even heard about. But once again, get this book, and you will get to read about all these various societies where we are doing exactly what we want to do from our own perspective, okay? So I think I'm going to leave that part there and jump ahead to what um, Dr. Chancellor Williams leaves us with, and I think we'll leave it there for tonight. But Mm -hmm. this is what it all sums up to. 
the last chapter, well, one of his last chapters and sections is entitled, How to Begin and By Whom? Well, he's talking about how do you press reset? How do you restart your society? And how does that look? I'm going to read this to you about what he says about how that is going to work. Okay. So he says, like every great movement, will be initiated by just one individual. No great gathering or, car, uh, or crowd starts a movement. Quite the contrary. When the many assemble, it is because someone has already begun. One person has already thought matters through and resolved that a beginning must be made. He should not be the usual leader whose fiery denunciations of wrongs against blacks may be counted on the stir emotions, and that is all. The one person needed is simply one who is dedicated with a sense of mission for his race, seeking nothing but the opportunity to serve him. There are doubtless thousands of such sons and daughters of the race, willing and ready, but either not knowing what to do or afraid of their own capabilities and leaving it to somebody else. So start there. We're trying to find those, waking the spirit up of those youngsters who have the capabilities but just don't even know that this is an option. So he goes on to say, Yet all one person has to do is ask five or six other people to study the plan and then meet later to discuss it. Just five or six persons, not one of whom need be a big name. So people are always thinking, oh, my goodness, if so-and-so only led us into the promised land, if so-and-so only took our hand and, and said this is the way, no, that is not how it's going to happen. All you need is five or six people, one dedicated individual, and not one of them needs to be a big man. He says, this small initial group of six could have each member become a committee of one, each to nominate three other people to study. The plan before the next meeting, at which time the 18 members could become the nucleus for a general organizing committee. Further nominations to the organizing committee should be representative of all groups students, laborers, clerks, etc., as well as professionals. The representatives on the ongoing committee, or, I'm sorry, the organizing committee, maybe from national organization, organizations, all black, or smaller organizations, lodges, clubs, etc. This court committee, after a series of meetings during which the master plan has been studied in detail and revisions or amendments have been proposed for future action, could then proceed to develop and carry out plans for the formation a national organizing committee composed of representatives from various sections of the country. And note, not even at the outset of organizing, some funds will be required if effective work could be done. And then he goes on to break down in number what the people need to do. So I'm not going to go into every single number here, but I did want to let the people know all it takes is one dedicated person Get five or six people around the table and start meeting to discuss. If you need a plan, go grab the Destruction of African Civilization by Chancellor Williams. Other brothers have written books uh, from John Henry Clark and his Africans at the Crossroads to Amos Wilson and the Blueprint Blueprint for um, Black Power. There are tons of these plans out there. But it only takes a few people to sit around, discuss it, and actually put it into 
with words, into action. Just put it into action. So, in all that summary, we've seen what's happened. There was a game being played. That game is over. It's a new game starting. We're pressing reset, and now we know how to do it. There is no excuse for us not to be able to implement any of this, as it is all within our reach. And if we have any questions, all we got to do is come back and get around that table. And all of that is to say we can do it. We got this. That's right. <clears throat> no excuses. Opportunity is here. And we have a choice. You know, you can look at the, the negative side or you can look at the opportunity side. We do have a hand raised here. Uh, nine, oh, excellent. Three, nine, three, six, three, oh, three. Baba Cantu, heck ah, oh, yes, hey, Eric. Eric. <laughs> What's up, Oracle Beverly and Cantu? What's going on? It is, it is <laughs> you. as usual, man. How you doing, man, brother? You 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 always call me, man, with them numbers, man. I guess you just can't help it, man. You said eighteen. You said six. <laughs> You said orchid. Oh man, when you said orchid, it was over. Oh really? Break it down. Please bring it to us. Well, you have to get a pen, and because uh, oh. the game is over, y'all. The game is definitely over. It's a wrap. Get to a pen and a paper. A we can jot down a few. This won't okay. take but a sec. Okay. And uh, it's very okay. beneficial. I told y'all about that year of the rat. This is your it's your year to yeah. be the beneficiary. That's true. Yeah, that's Michael true. Jackson being the rat. Write down the word laboratory. Laboratory. Lab is laboratory. L A B O R A T O R Y. Or write down the word Joshua. 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 J O S H U A. All right. Write down the word magic. Ooh. You don't got to tell me twice. <laughs> 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 Write down the word orchid. 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 Okay. Uh, and, now, and write down this formula. G-I-J comma J equals zero. G- Say that again. Uh-huh. G-I-J comma J. Comma J. Equals zero. Equals zero. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I'm only a seed planter. I, I, I realize over the years what I'm good at. And I'm, okay. I'm, just, I'm just like somebody plant a garden. I bring a little water to put on the garden. You know, it'll sprout okay. a little bit. Sprinkle it. Sprinkle it like you're Most deaf. Most deaf. Okay, so laboratory. Y'all see that word? Yep. Yeah. One of the few words that have the symbol. It's one of the few words that have three symbols of the symbol gold. There's hmm. three symbols in laboratory for gold. You see O-R, you see R-A, and you see O-R again. The, ray, the yep. rays from the sun is Ra, then the O-R. Uh, right, you see that? Lab- look at the yep. rat in the middle of laboratory. Yep, it's right sure, there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the rat. 
We're in the year of the rat, and this is the year of us to cash in on the gold and be the beneficiary. Now look at the rest of your words. What what we got next? What's the next thing we got written down after laboratory? What was the next one? Magic, right? Joshua. Joshua. Oh, my goodness. Joshua. Let me give you the numbers on Joshua. All right? You ready? Okay. J is one. Okay. O is six. Okay. S is one. Uh-huh. And H is eight. Josh. Right. That's a golden right. mean ratio. One, six, one, eight. Mm. The mm. golden mean. Hmm. Now look at the UA. All you got to do is say that word backwards. You'll see the gold right at the beginning. AU. That's right. <laughs> right. What's our next Go. word? <laughs> oh, my favorite, magic. magic. All right, you see the you see the goal right there, right? And GI seven nine. Oh, okay. Any yeah, word seven, with GI, it's gonna be gold seven nine. Ah, okay. gold and magic. What what what? What's the next word? Orchid. Oh, you see the goal right at the beginning of orchid. O R O R. And that's that's that supernatural flower right there. Everybody ought to see if they can get them an orchid. That's a good get you point. an orchid okay. and get, bring it into your vicinity. Beverly know about huh. that orchid. Yeah, okay. I will be doing that. I definitely will be doing it. That's the second time I've heard about an orchid this week. I know uh, there you go, one of brother. the teachers I was go. working with, she was happy that somebody brought her orchid back. So <laughs> that's funny that you bring that up. Oh, most definitely, man. Yeah, they got they got a crazy movie with Cindy Crawford in it about orchids, man. How valuable that flower is, and how people go to crazy lengths of murder and espionage for these flowers, orchids. And if anybody's familiar with Popeye the Sailor Man, the little African dog that they created named Eugene the Jeep, that's all he eats is orchids. Wait, wait, wait. What, and he can uh, walk through walls. Movie? Say that again. What's the name of the movie with um? Uh, who'd you say it was? Not Angela Bassett. Oh, Popeye the Sailor Man. The Popeye the Sailor Man? Popeye. They kind of uh, the old school Popeye the Sailor. So there was one before that you talked about. A movie where uh, you mm. said people were going through great lengths to get the orchids. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, that's right. It, uh, it got Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford is the Cindy star Crawford, of, of this uh, this. Yeah, it's a old it's a old school movie. But yeah, she's a she's a flower shop owner and, and she has these orchids, man, that's worth millions of dollars. And you don't remember what it's called? No, I don't remember what it's called. I don't. I I'll don't remember. It. But man, it's it's a movie that just popped up one day. I was watching uh it was on the Hallmark channel, man. It was just a you know, I was just passing by somebody pad just sitting there just watching the day two because it was on and it was a movie about orchids and man, it blew my mind because I was talking to Beverly about orchids. Interesting. So these are this is the kind of thing that happens when you bring these kind of words into your vicinity and you study them, just like the formula GIJ. There's the seven nine again, the gold in GIJ comma J equals zero. That's the formula of all formulas. They dubbed this man one of the the most genius men alive right now, Dr. Gabriel Oyibo, with his formula. So the gold yeah. is right at the beginning of his formula. Exactly. Oh, okay. And, and I, I listened at a clip. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I was just asking, what's his name? Oh, Dr. Gabriel Oyibo. Okay. He's a Nigerian. Is he still living? 
Oh man, is he? Who gonna? Hey, is there. It? He ain't gonna never uh-huh. die, man. This is the type of individual right. that never dies. Yeah, he's he awesome. He is awesome. It's been oh, a couple my God. years since I've seen him. Yeah. Yeah. Up. Okay. Hey, man, people, people should, people would definitely benefit by logging on to any video with this brother talking and listen to him okay. break yeah. this formula down. And I did okay. that today with him and and uh, and uh, the, the 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 brother that's been in our community for years, brother uh, uh, Kamini Hiawatha. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah, Kamini Hiawatha Kamini, yeah. Oh, man, him and Dr. Gabriel Oyebo, they do this conference call with this brother named Felipe. And, yeah, man, yeah. and they talking Shock about, Dr. hey, come on, bruh. And they okay. talking about, Dr. Gabriel says that the highest intelligence of non-blacks ends at the number 19. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Y'all should go watch this video. Okay, Ooh, I'm going to check this out. We have the most... He had the most genius formula ever created. And right now, right now today, this brother is fighting these people who, you know, they know his formula is legit, but he got people, even his own color, trying to shoot him down, saying that it's not legit, but nobody has proven this formula. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, man. And and I yeah, want to say this, too, and it's not. Exactly. It, exactly. And, and y'all know what? If y'all really pay attention to these movies, the black people are running everything. Yeah. Hey, Bev, did you go and check out that movie? Uh, did you go and check out that movie that uh, Jedi recommended that we check out with uh, Morgan Freeman? Which one was Signal. No, what was, what was that? The, the, what, what was that again? What was the name of it? The, the Signal. Signal. The Signal. No, I'm going to do yeah, it tonight. Yeah, with Morgan Freeman. I'm do it tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, with Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence okay, Fishburne. Lawrence. Okay. Okay. Lawrence right. Fishburne. Y'all go check out the signal. And y'all discuss something that he mentioned on this movie. He told the little boy that uh you're very sensitive to colors. Hmm. See, he was see this these guys are hackers. They was hacking on the internet. And they messed uh, around and got a signal they got a signal on their computer. Okay. And they don't know it. They don't know it, but that signal caused them to go out to this abandoned house out in the desert. So if people don't think that these these uh, devices have a signal that can hypnotize you to go certain places, you're wrong. They do have I signals agree. that'll make you poison your mama. I've seen it before my very eyes. Even in the original Westworld with Yul Brynner. In the Westworld, mm-hmm. with a, uh, the original Westworld with Yul Brynner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they talk about the machines are the ones that have the virus, and they can affect the user of the machine. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They talk about this virus way back in 1973, when that's when that movie was made. Mm-hmm. So this is nothing new. And and the, the system has the virus. Like you said, the game is over. The system has the <laughs> virus. It's over. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The it's not us, virus. it's the system. Yes, yes. And Doctor I'm gonna say this again. Doctor Gabriel Oyibo said that the highest that these people can go with intelligence is the number nineteen. Now ain't COVID. that some shit. That's short, it is. I'm telling you, they can't go no higher than the number nineteen. Wow. Uh, man, I'm, 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 I'm telling y'all, man. 
on the Felipe Shock Matthew show. Okay. I'm about to check that yeah, out. Yeah, man, they going in, man. They going in so, so deep, man. It's just unbelievable, man. The, the conversation. And then they talk about the Shabaka Stone. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's one of my, that's one of our most popular videos on our YouTube channels when we break down the Shabaka Stone. That That's a piece of art right there. The stone. Yes, on Oh, man. And the Neset Bitti, the Pharaoh Neset Bitti. Yes, yes. His numbers, yeah, right. his numbers is our numbers, uh, Baba. One and eight, man. 18 and 11. Ashe. Ashe. Oh, yeah. They talk about the Tekau. They talk about the heart mind. They talk about speaking things into existence. Pata, tongue, Atum. Everybody is on the show. <laughs> that is a document right there. <laughs> Oh yes. Hey well, I appreciate you so much, man. Every time you come on, <laughs> man, you, and then and you know, I grew up in LA, man, so I know all those areas. You, you know, LA is designed oh, like Morocco, right. bro. It is. Tijuana right. is a lot is, of Moroccan south home. I mean, you we oh man, when you when you in LA, if you don't see Morocco up there in Moore Park, up there where Channel Seven <laughs> News is, is is a set, Circle Seven Drive. And more oh. part. Uh, yeah, you know, I never man, thought it's... about that. You circle Seth and Quran. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's all right, cold. man. It I found that out just by simple. driving around one day up in Burbank, man, and I, and I, and I made a, a right turn. I made a right turn, and I ended up on Circle 7 Drive. There was ABC Studios right there with the big seven in the circle. Wow. <laughs> I said, all look at simple. this in Moore Park. It is all around. Right down the street from Griffith Park. Oh, my goodness. And we didn't even get to Griffith Park today. That's a whole nother ancient monument right there. Everything yes, up sir. there from the observatory to Griffith Park to the various museums there, they all have some ancient symbolism in there. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, man. Yeah, oh, man. utopia, man. And then, then you go to Mexico Thank for you. the other utopia, Mexico. Mexico City, right. the land of the gods, Montezuma. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you said Tijuana. I mean, man, hey, bro, yep. like I said, man, like I said, like I said, Bob, it's endless, man. It's it's, it's never ending, man. It's the infinity, well, man, the number eight. It's an eight night. I ain't surprised you on with Bev tonight. I love that. I love that Bev do this, man. Her, her oracleness is just always on point. That's right. That is right. I'm giving her the most props. I had to start off the show giving her props. <laughs> now, what, what, is and, there uh, any significance that that these numbers you gave us uh, end add up to seven? Oh wow, man! That's everything, Bev. I mean, that's that's it's magic. That's the day of magic, rest. magic add up to seven. I think Joshua and. Um, Eight plus eight, that's uh, a seven. Oh, yes, yeah, she's on it. Yeah, they all added up to seven. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, oh, wow. another way to get the, the number seven is the word one. The word one is the number seven. Mm. Mm. That's very interesting. You know, last yeah, night, so we everything is on the, the one. Supermoon too. Oh, man, that, wasn't that more ridiculous, bruh? On the seventh. On the seventh. Oh, there right. you go. Seven is the day of rest. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. It was. It so, was yeah, man. Yeah. Well, did y'all see? Somebody <laughs> had sent me. 
a video of it was something on the moon. Any either one of y'all seen that? No, I couldn't even really look uh-uh. at it. It was so bright last night. It was literally hurting my yeah. eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it was like something was on top of the moon. You know, you couldn't hardly see. Somebody had went. You could see it, but you don't know what it was. You couldn't make out what it was. I'm going to have to find mm-hmm. this video. I'm definitely going to have to find this video. Most definitely. Wow. Most definitely, y'all. You know, we're we going in to look out. You know, we've been saying the whole time we need to go in. So people are complaining yeah. about we're yeah. in. But Thank you go you. in to go without, you know. Thank you. I, you know, I really don't understand what all the complaining is about. When people are at work, they're complaining. They're around people they don't want to be around. Now they're talking about, I want to go back to work. I'm tired of being at home. Are you crazy? That's, <laughs> my, interpretation. That's my interpretation. That's how deep the program is, you know? Right. Yeah, it's right. very deep. Is, yeah. And there's there's another goal. There's another seven nine program starts with PR. That's seven and mm-hmm. nine again, once again. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, man, seven. the gold has been. Yeah, man, get back on the gold standard, y'all. You know, it's 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 a lot right. of words with gold, and it attach them to your spells. You know, when you're writing your spell, make sure you put words that have gold in it. It's a lot well, of. Well, didn't we end today with Nubia, and Nubia means the land of the gold. Booyah, booyah, booyah. Wow. And when I'm in Cali on the West Coast, and I'm 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 in I'm in the west coast of Africa because I've been to Mali Ba'u. Ooh. All right. Didn't you say all words that end with ooh is a is a multiple? Absolutely. You got it. You got Uh it. Mali Boo. You're on it. And if you watch that movie, uh Jason, uh, no, Poetic Justice with Tupac and Janet Jackson. Uh-huh. They stop at that picnic and have that. They they stopped at that family reunion, not a yeah, picnic, yeah. but they stopped at that family reunion, right? And then they kept moving. They went to that African fair. You will see that brother walking around in his fairs. You will see everybody have on the African gear. They showing you that, that you in Africa, you in West Africa. Then he on his way to where the bay, the Golden Gate. Ah, <laughs> wow. That's a good one. That's oh, good man, one. they drop it right in our face, man. <laughs> right in your face. That's the best way to hide it. They put it right, right in our sight. face, man. We are in Africa. This is this this side of Africa, which is includes Mexico, Baja, California, and the great Khalifa. Ah, ah that's right. Queen Khalifa. And she was in communication with the black queen of Hawaii. They were, they were real tight. They were comrades. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the old ancient mustardon, the old ancient elephants, she's had female messengers going out to the coast to get on the water to go see the queen of Hawaii. That mm. was Khalifa of California. So, yeah, Utopia, I know about it, bro. I've been, I've been studying it thoroughly. I've been to Mexico. I've been to libraries in Mexico. My feet have been in ancient Africa in Mexico, which, which uh, Horace Butler talks about. Oh, man. Um I went to Tulum about, let's see, four years ago. And getting in that warm water right off the coast, it's, it's nothing. Brother, like you've been to Tulum? Tulum. And you know what's interesting? I didn't touch on this tonight, but as I was reading Destruction of Black Civilization, there's also a utopian society on the west coast of Africa, Africa called Sama. Now, Tulum is not its actual name. 
its actual name is Sama. And Sama means the horizon because it's literally right on the beach. And I didn't learn that until I actually got there. You know, the tour guides kind of took us through it. So I found that interest from Sama, came over and founded the great city of Tulum because they've got pyramids and castles and everything just like he was Kim. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh, man. Yes, so, yeah, sir. I would say it's, I mean, it's, it's documented. It's, it is. It's documented, it's man. There. Ivan Van Sertema. You know, yep, many, many scholars have documented these facts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a giant. It's Ooh. well documented. So anyway, those words that y'all wrote down, if anybody got a pen and paper, they will benefit from writing these simple words down, studying them, especially that formula, G-I-J, comma, J equals zero. Hey, write down the word zero. Zero. The word zero. And you know what? A, lo- a lot of the, Go ahead. A lot of a lot of the articles that uh Dr. Uh, Robert X be reading from come from zero heads. That's true. <laughs> oh, ain't true. that something? That ain't that true. something? It's all connected, man. I mean if people that's why I always say pay attention and you won't pay money because of a lot of things are connectivity that yeah. they're all connected to the one. That is absolutely right. That is absolutely correct. The zero. It's all Z is eight. Z okay. is eight. E is five. Okay. R is nine. Mm-hmm. And O is six. Okay. Z is eight. E is five. R is nine. And O is six. Add those up. Simplify it. What you get? Okay. That's a one. What you get, Beverly? A one. Wow. One and eight. One and eight is the same number. Mm. Mm. Okay. One and eight is the same number. We talked about that too. Always remember that. Mm. Yes, one and eight is the same number. Yeah, you but you if you initiated though, bro. It's your it's your fault, man. I'm blaming it on you. <laughs> I'm blaming it on the boogie. <laughs> Don't blame it on I the sunshine. Blame it on the boogie. That's right. I've been on the Cal State Fullerton campus too, bro. Like I say, oh, man, a lot you? of things you mentioned, man. I've I've been there, man. I I love it. Good, I love it, good. Man. You know what's so it's, funny it's today? It was like the connection between L.A. and Detroit today. I did a lot of L.A. and a lot of Detroit, a lot of Michigan, a lot of Cali. So, yeah, we definitely connected wow. today. Yeah. Yeah, Most of definitely, man. Chungalia, man, the brother Chungalia, boy. I came on Beverly Show for the first time. She had this brother Chungalia waiting on me. He was waiting on me. He said, I want to make <laughs> master. I want to see if you're a master. And Chungalia from California. Oh, wow. that's, what okay. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we actually from wow. the same area, man. Grew up in the same yeah. neighborhood, and both our name is Eric. Wow. Oh, you know what? You know how my mama listened to the show. I think I want to say she listened to him, and she was telling me that he was from there. That's so wow. funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, man. So a lot of crazy connections, man. I, I, I mean, I have them thoroughly, even with uh, L.A. Ramon. One time, that brother was talking to me about some books that he read. He told me mm-hmm. the author. Uh, I don't want to say uh, Clyde Kessler or something like that. 
So I had my pop mm-hmm. with me. I said, okay, okay, L.A., I'm going I'm to hit you back, man. We'll pick up this conversation later. I sat down and looked at the book because I'm always looking for books when I go to these doctor's offices. There was a, mm-hmm. a book by Clive Kessler sitting on the shelf. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> I texted him a picture right away. Man. I said, man, look at this, bro. Ain't this crazy? That's how it works. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's, it's constantly happening. Yeah, hey, man, the Shabaka Stone, you have to write that word down, man, and do the numbers on it. It's all connected. Even the word stone, you see the word one in the word stone? Mm. The word one is in stone. Now, do the numbers of stone, you're going to get a one. That is true. I see it. So when you say Georgia Guide Stone, that's a a code. Georgia, the word Georgia, the word guide, and the word stone. So I like it because uh, Dr. Gabriel Oyebo, he have the master decoder. G-I-J, J equals zero, decodes every problem. It has a solution for every problem you could ever come up with. Yes. yes and, I've been, yes. and I've been putting it to the test, and it is exact and on point. I find this solution <laughs> in every problem. Wow. Wow. I'll learn so more the Georgia Guidestones, right? He said mm-hmm. that they... They, intelligence ends at 19. The word stone is 19. Guide is one also. Guide. But it comes by one by 28. And guess what he said? Oh. Black intelligence ends at 28. <laughs> the word Georgia is the number eight. The word Georgia has gold in it. It equals the number eight. Guide is the number one. One and eight is the same number. It's eight by the number 28, which is the highest of the black intelligence. Non-black mm. intelligence ends at 19, which is the word stone. And remember, wow. in the Bible, he told her, don't turn back or you will turn into a pillar of salt. That's right. That is right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You got it, Bev. You got it. So that's what I'm saying, man. If you don't let this stuff, if you don't let the game be over, you try to re-enter into the same game, your ass will be frozen in time. You cannot vibrate on this new vibration that we got. You will stay with the third dimension, frozen in time, and you will not be able to move. Don't look back. You won't be able to go to the fifth. Don't look back. Don't look back. Reset. Game over. Game over, man. I love it. And we and we talked about the last time I was here. We talked about osmium, sapphire, and yes. diamond. And what I sure what I didn't complete was these are the elements that you need to have a needle for your record to play in your game. You oh, you must have those that. elements. You, you <laughs> say the elements again. What's the elements? Osmium. Osmium. S O S. M I U M Osmium Sapphire and Diamond. Wow. Okay. You know, Diamond is the, has the highest most yeah. scale at ten. Yep. Absolutely. And then the next highest is Sapphire at nine. Mm, okay. And that star, that star Sapphire is beautiful, boy. That star Sapphire is one beautiful gemstone. It's blue. And it's beautiful. Wow, that's that's powerful. Yes, and that osmium, osmium is the hardest. It's the most. It's the hardest of all the, of all the minerals is osmium. So if you don't have one of these 
then your game is over. You know what I mean? You can't play your record. <laughs> and some of these, some of these uh, needles cost three, four hundred dollars, man. Oh, so a lot um, of people can't afford like to get that. their game back up and going. Like I told you, brother. But if you can't, well, watch early, this. It's the nineties, and yeah, I have bought plenty of needles, broke plenty of needles, and I paid hundreds of dollars for them. So I hear you. Yeah, and but you know what's beautiful about that is that that means that you're getting a lot of usage out of your game. You you know, you plan your game and you plan it a lot. That is true. Because I it's sure a do. love that we all have. Mm. So, so yeah, so it's beautiful. Uh huh. Go ahead, Beverly. Stay 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 on the line because I I got another caller here. Uh, 405-405. Four, Greetings, four, family. Greetings, oh, wow. family. We need to balance Uh How is everyone this evening? We're doing great. Fantastic, how are you? sister. How are you? I am good, grateful, and thankful. Uh, this is Sister Phoenix. Okay. Hi, Sister, Sister Phoenix. Phoenix. Welcome. I, I am not a new... I am not a new caller, Beverly. No, I know. I know your number. <laughs> uh, I, I have some. I have been taking notes ever since I uh, tuned in, and I have a question. Uh, the three great empires. I heard you mention Ghana, and then it sounded like you said Mali, Baja. No, Mali. And Songhai. Songhai. Can you spell that, please, and thank you? Yes, ma'am. It is S O N G H A Y. The Songhai Empire. That's an empire. Okay. Yep. S O N G H A Y. Okay, and the other one, Molly, is that M O? Are you spelling that M O L L I E or M A spelling? It's M A L I. M A L I. M A L I. Molly, yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. And then you said the Absolutely. great state of. Did you say Cuba was the great Cuba. state that got him? Cuba, they yes. got him in by the Portuguese. The Portuguese, yes. Uh, Cuba, that is K U B A. K U B A. This is long before the, okay. the C U B A oh, before they, that we know today. Okay. Before they changed the. the okay. Absolutely. And the Excellent book. Question. The book is titled, trying to get some clarity, The Destruction of Black Civilization by. Chancery Williams? Chancellor. 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 Everything else is perfect. Okay. Yes, ma'am. She was really taking notes. I like that. She is. That's excellent. Okay. Wow. Um, because because I was listen as I was listening to you, I was hearing you saying like the problems and the solution. It's in the book. It, it it literally is. 
That's one of many books, but that's one that I always refer back to. Okay. Very okay. clear, too. Because when I was listening to you talking about the utopian community, it was like, wow, this is what I have been desiring to do. Like, for the past, like, couple of months, it was like, this has just all been in my mind. So it's just like, okay, so whatever your dominant thought is, the universe it, will bring that for it. Yeah. Sister, can you please yeah. email me when you get a chance? Because we definitely need to connect. Yes. Most thank yes. Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I I am ready to go. I mean I'm ready to go like right. get Yesterday. land to, to <laughs> right. yeah. And the, the day before, like two months ago, <laughs> three months ago. Thank that kind of ready to go and would love to start a, a utopian society. Right. Uh, I was like, right. okay, but we have a, the Caucasian almonds, Amish. Why can't we do black almonds just figuratively yeah. speaking? And yeah, I'm, it don't even have to be called okay. that. It could just yeah. be called mm-hmm. utopian community, utopian society. Absolutely. No, you you right so, on. It is the idea. You know, it is just about yeah. the idea. We can name it when we get there. It is just the idea. You just got to see and it. And nothing right. is stopping. Nothing is stopping you. No. Right. Because no, but... I, I was listening to you saying, like, no more excuses, um, nope. just opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then it got started back um, in comedic. You know, this is going our way back there. So I'm going like, oh, okay, all right. It's like, oh, okay, all right. So I'm going like, uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm looking for land, seed to plant, grow, harvest, live off the land, and to thank get you. money. You know, like sell the access, sell from the overflow. There you go. You got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, almost so every I, single utopian you know, society I laid down, that's what they discussed. That's what they did. Yeah, yeah. And and to teach it to those that want to know or desire to know that they want to be taught, you know, like, okay, I, I've started one now. You know, I've gotten the information then, you know, just what they call uh, play it for it, you know, to those Thank that you. desire. Because everybody – Everybody don't want to come out of the city. Everybody don't want to go yeah, into a utopian yeah. society. And and I respect Absolutely. it and I honor people's right. choices, you know, but uh, they said in a Kevin Costner movie, build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. It's like, you know, get it started. And, yeah. Yeah. So they will come. So I, yeah, I, I'm definitely looking to talking to you uh one on one, most yeah, we will definitely, definitely connect. So absolutely, definitely to see who, okay. right? You know, to like see who would be interested. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And get technology it together, accelerates like that. Oh yeah, right. Let's, definitely because, yes. And let me open because this other line, y'all. Oh, say it again. We're getting short on. We're getting short on time. Let me open this line. Seven seven three eight. Oh. 
Hey, how y'all doing tonight? Great, great. Ah, how you doing? Great, great. How you doing, great brother? Um, <laughs> I'm hanging in there. That's that. That's, that's right. That's up. pretty much my honest answer right now. No, it was interesting. Um, dealing with the um school system as it as it is here now in Chicago. Um, a couple of years ago, um, the uh, Robert Manuel, the the um outgoing mayor had closed down uh, 50 schools for various reasons, I guess because of uh, low attendance and some other things. But now Mm -hmm. I had actually spoke to a retired Chicago public school teacher a few months ago, and she told me that wasn't true. What happened, the reason why they closed down a lot of schools and actually tore them down because of uh, the teachers, when they were retired from there, were actually – coming up with cancer and they were dying. And to come Mm -hmm. find out that had a lot to do with the event. Exactly. We had that too. That's why I was saying earlier. Yeah. You sure did call it. Sister Bill called that. Wow. Right. Right. But the the thing was, it never really was reported or put out in the news or anything like that. So she Uh said um, Uh they were fighting with the union about it now. Mm. Now, moving forward to today, um, a lot of new schools were built actually in um, the neighborhoods were occupied by whites or Europeans, what have you, but now they're, they're occupied by Hispanic people. And okay. like in my own neighborhood, um, they closed down and were in the process of closing down uh, four high schools. One of them was uh, named after Paul Robeson. And wow. I was interested, yeah, that, that they, um, they tore it down already and they built a brand new um magnet STEM high school there. But now because of this COVID-19 fiasco, um, the new high school that they just opened up last semester is already closed. And plus all the the new ones that were built in Hispanic neighborhoods and some of the North side. So with that being said, I can see now the, the trend and the pattern in terms of everything transitioning over to virtual learning and everything going online. You got it. And you got it. I, I, and I, I mean, no, it just connects with what you what you were saying earlier, but it's part of the the the, the global. I want to say the, the you know this world global domination plan. But now, right. with that being said, um, they are giving out grants here for different um, educational programs and businesses and stuff. But the sad thing about it, though, by Chicago, you know, the the way you know the way people see it or individuals see it. It's, it's under that sanctuary city banner. And so okay. anything dealing with so-called one of the cold words, diversity or inclusion, also yeah. includes the money that's coming out being funneled through the non-for-profit organizations here too. So wow. it's basically they're the gatekeepers here. You Interesting. Know? And if it's not tied anything to do with um, the Hispanic community, and, and, and just a little sidetrack real quick because I know we're short on time. Um, mm-hmm. Just like the press conferences that the mayor and the governor have been giving here, um, the uh, the president of the Illinois Department of Health is assisted here and um, trained at Harvard, by the way, who was interesting. Like mm-hmm. when she takes over the press conferences, she does a lot of them in Spanish. And it's the same thing wow. with the mayor is doing here. She puts her, the Hispanic or Latino alderman out front to, you know, do the press conference in Spanish. So it's like, okay, what about the rest of the people here? What about the you know the million right. people here? 
we're be, right. That's the takeover. We, we don't exist anymore. They, it's the takeover. No, exactly. You don't. So yeah. I said I wanted to say yeah. how do we how do you know the the populace or the, the small nucleus of melanated people here deal with all that? Because I'm at the point yeah. now I'm ready to move someplace else. Well, mm-hmm. we need you need to get on the phone with me and Sister Phoenix and Brother Eric, and instead of doing that round table, we might have to do a round Zoom, but the outcome will be the same. We start making these plans, and we start putting them into fruition. That's what we need to be right. doing. You know, it's, it's right. real simple. Like I said, I've been on so many of these committees, kind of been through it before, and just seeing how motivated people can get. And when it starts rolling, before you know it, Stuff has already happened. It just takes a few people that are willing to do it, and it starts happening. And once people actually see you doing it, that's when they start to want to jump on board. So that's all. Yeah, is, right. And I'm I'm always right. in contact with you anyway. So we just need to actually go ahead oh, and, yeah. and put a little conference call together and, and handle this. You know, now like you yeah. said, now is the time. Right. Yeah. You know, the perfect time. We have nothing but time right now. Right. Yeah, right. you right about you right about that. But uh yeah, okay, that's that 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 that's that's my um that's my spew. So uh man, good show tonight. Unfortunately I, I, I was I couldn't listen to it all. I was in and out, but um I had to hurry up and Talk get to the man. grocery store before the right. you know, the police <laughs> is already out there now rounding people up, so it's it's <laughs> Now that we got to wear masks, and oh, but to your I point know. of the mask, Beverly, we were talking about on the show the other night. Mm-hmm. Now they the uh-huh. governor implement this mandatory mask thing, so it's like now, what even with the black businesses now, they won't let you in now without wearing a mask. So it's right, it's, it is what it is. So it's a, it really time for you, you to grow your own food. You know, you can have the indoor <laughs> garden too until you can get to an outdoor garden. But look what they exactly. doing right. in California today. California saying they getting ready to start to go house to house to test, see who got the virus and who got it. They gonna put them in camp. Now, oh now, didn't we wow! Say that was happening a long time ago. We said they was gonna start coming mm-hmm. down the street, testing. Yeah. We thought it was gonna be forced vaccinations. They was gonna hit you with the vaccinations right on the spot, on the military. Mm-hmm. But they just gonna put you in a concentration camp. And it's probably gonna be not, like we see- said. Nazi oh, Germany, ahead. how they did it. No, I was just saying, Nazi it's like Germany. Nazi Germany. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I'm, and these are Democratic governors. I'm thinking about going somewhere because all the Republican governors is opening their states up. True. That's very I true. Might, I might have right. to find a relative somewhere that's in a Republican state and, and really? sit there for a minute. <laughs> Hey, that's something we have to consider when we have to this utopian yeah. society. That's a good place to, to open that. up. That's a good place to open up our utopian. Go somewhere where it's right. a Republican, where they open it up. Down south. And where is I would uh, say down south. yes, down south? Yeah, where is Mel from? Because he said it's a lot of land where he at. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oh, he in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know I if it's a Republican yeah. there. Uh-huh. You know, also uh, Oklahoma City is Oklahoma State is a tribal state. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. This t- and this they just, tribal. This, yeah. It, it, and they just got a lot of grant money. Everybody getting money for us because we ain't asking. Yeah. 
the you know <laughs> they, he just gave the tribal people uh, people a whole bunch of money. Wow. You know, and, and a lot of and also back there too. Uh, also, if if the people does not rise up and say no mask, no business. And you bow down to these businesses, yes, yeah, versus versus them bowing down to the public. That if it yeah. was not for the public, they could not be in business. Right, right, right. You know, so if, if it don't make a switch a rule, and you just continue to be sheeple, then you're gonna be herded, like you said, yeah. into a, you got AKA it. a uh, camp. You know, so yep. now it's yep. so far it's been volunteer to go and get tested, not no mandatory. So yeah. so far, so that's but the things first can change thing. in a blink of an eye. So I, I would encourage people that's getting this extra stimulus money. You know, if, if you're waiting on it, if that's gonna be extra money, then hey, if 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 mandatory stuff jumping off, you know, pack. 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 Pack, you're gonna pray. Pack. But you gotta move. Get on down. You know, like yeah. you said, Sister Beverly, you might have to go somewhere else, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. just temporary, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, so until you become self supporting, self governing. Mm-hmm. Right, home rule. Rise up. Other than that, you know, so I'm I'm looking for the land. I can have me a little camper, the trailer. Let's do it. You know, get, get the time. camper. But they said the sleeping camper. The, the, I can mm-hmm. live in the uh, four hundred square feet, the four hundred yep. column tiny house. I can look in the four, you know, three hundred four. But the, you know, that's that's me because I'm ready. Yes, I, yes. I, I'm ready. Yeah. And, we hear and it's I, a lot of a lot of yeah. us is being forced to be ready. If we weren't ready, Exa- exactly. forced to be. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. until it it is what it is, and it ain't. What yeah. It is. You know, and how <laughs> how are you gonna know if the test is positive or not? They controlling the test. You know, come right. on now. Right. And, and you exactly so. It's it's so many mm-hmm. so many conflicting stories Thank you. on the coronavirus when I was listening to Greg Braden on YouTube. <laughs> he's a doctor okay. doctor and one a doctor scientist. He tells you what a virus is, how they work. So <laughs> I listen to the to the doctors, the scientists, the virologists. Mm-hmm. Another one you should listen to. And I've heard Brother uh, D also reference him. Is Dale Big Tree? Go listen to his stuff. He talks about the vaccines and he talks about COVID specifically. But look up Dale Big Tree and listen to some of his stuff, and he'll tell you the exact same thing. Our numbers are not even as high as a flu season, a bad flu season. So he really breaks it down. Right. So I'm gonna have to check out this Greg Braden as well. Spell. Spell that brother name you just mentioned. Dale. D E L. Just D E L. Dale. Uh-huh. And last name is a Big Tree. B I G T R E E. Dale Big Tree. Okay. Big Tree. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's your accent. 
I know. It's like California. It's the L.A. Tell her, Eric. Also, Dr. Rashid Boutar, B-U-T-T-A-R. Yeah, check him I've out. seen him. He Rashid Boutar? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes, Rashid okay. Boutar. Uh, Dr. Judith. M I K O V I T Z, Michael Vitz. I got Butar. Yeah. Who was that last one? Check out Dr. Judith, M I K O V, as in Victor, I T Z. I think that's how she okay. spells her name. Check her out, too. And also, the news guy, you can get him, uh, Frank. No, I'm sorry, Gary. G-A-R-Y Franchi F-R-A-N-C-H-I He's a news reporter Check him out on the And and the people Yeah And and don't forget Miss Polly Miss Polly Yeah She she do excellent research P-O-L-L P-O-L-L-Y Amazing Polly P P like Paul. P O L L Y. Amazing Polly. Amazing Polly. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So when I when I started listening to these people that I just mentioned, I got a whole entire different perspective on the virus. It can't jump off me onto Bell. Right. Somebody right. else, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. It's it's, it's right. dead until it gets into your body. It then attaches itself to your cells or whatever it attaches itself and then becomes alive because uh, Dr. Judith Mikovic was saying, no, you don't need a mask. She's like, no, we don't need a vaccine. There are $5. There are drugs that cost $5. (laughs) Yeah. The masks are largely ineffective anyway, even for the flu or the cold. They're ineffective. Yeah. And all we need to go is yes. to the real drug, the real drug store, and that's Mother Nature. She got everything right. you need. Right. Oh she God. Can what ailment? It it was so everything. interesting that the liquor stores were considered important to keep open. Right. But the <laughs> herb stores, the herb stores. Where right. you can go uh, in and get medicine you. and make your own medicine. Right. Work out in my state is closed. <laughs> I was like, right. what the, what? W, you know, WTF? What? Yeah. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. How did the liquor store get to be an essential? But when I call where I can get herbs, all they closed. I'm like, oh, God. I and get and this place. governor said we couldn't even buy seeds. So what did wow. that got to do what? with the virus? He said we couldn't see. <laughs> That's why they was up there <laughs> protesting on her. What? In your state, Bell, in Michigan. your state, y'all could not back. No, nope. I, mean, I know, but I'm just like, yeah, you, yeah, you got to get out of there, sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> the D ain't no joke.
when you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before for hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask. No Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. Making the world healthier, safer, and more efficient. That's the mission for IT professionals at Lidos. And right now, they're looking for the next generation of innovators to help transform the business and change the future of work. Excellent pay and sign-on bonuses available. Security clearance required. Put your software skills to work with Lidos. Learn more at Lidos.com slash PHX2. That's L-E-I-D-O-S dot com slash PHX2. 